Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. It's been a day, but um happy to be in the chair to do some sports talk with you, the fine Sports Cage shareholders. I'm Michael Ball. That is my buddy Blaine Wylan across the breakfast nook for me. Well, I call it the breakfast nook because I've done morning radio for 25 years. Breakfast, afternoon, evening, it doesn't really matter. You could, it, Sometimes breakfast at lunch is pretty good. Oh, yeah. Don't you agree? Like I, bacon I, I, and pancakes and stuff or in the afternoon for a snack? Midnight lunch. Yeah. Anytime the day is good for midnight breakfast lunch. food. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, thanks for uh, joining us. You can always get a hold of us at 936-6262. We do have a couple of open spots to talk some sports if you would like. Lots going on in the world of sports. Uh, that is our number locally or one 866 936-6262 also happens to be our text line powered by the Capital Auto Group. And all our guests come to you via the uh, Western Pizza Hotline, dinnertime, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. We're going to hear from Bill Shea of The Athletic about the NBA and how those two, uh, two teams match up with regards to like their Twitter accounts and their popularity and everything like that. A little different look at the NBA championship. We're also going to talk with Arash Madani from the NBA final. Uh, Theron Churchill. Al Burton, he's going to join us on the show. He's with the Edmonton Elks, back home playing CFL football. Morley Scott will join us. He's also with the Edmonton Elks as their play-by-play man. We'll have our Regina Red Sox report as they got whipped by Swift Kern yesterday, 12-4. Sean Kleisinger was there with the hero of the game for, or the star player of the game for the Red Sox. That was their catcher who came up with, or catcher, I believe, came up with two home runs. Is it uh, Romero from... Um, from uh, Utah, if I'm not mistaken. He had two homers and four RBIs in that 12-4 loss. And before the show is over, we'll hear from Dandy Don Hewitt, the professor, get his take on what's going on with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But yeah, Sean Kleisinger, you're in here. I haven't had a chance to talk to you. We were hanging out quite exclusively. I learned quite a few things about you and uh, see in a different light. Positive, I might add. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, you went down to Vegas, uh, met your brother down there. Your brother went to wrestling. First off, how was his AEW experience since we're on a sports show? Well, I think he said it was pretty good. I mean, he's been to a few uh, pay-per-views like that before, and I think he said this crowd was kind of on the lower end. I don't yep. think it was sold out there yeah. at T-Mobile, but because yeah. uh, I, I went through the... Tra- I know there was enough traffic outside that day because I went drove through that traffic yeah. that day and there was enough uh, during that afternoon, but uh, yeah, he said it was a good time. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just wait a minute. <laughs> you drove through the traffic in Vegas. Why? Okay, wait a minute. And I drove you everywhere in Saskatoon. What what gives here, Ryland? Okay, first off, I didn't drive. I took an Uber, okay. so the Uber okay. drove me That's through. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I didn't take my own two wheels. <laughs> 
<laughs> Although some of those Uber drivers, I kind of wish I did. Yeah, no but. kidding. Okay, and then of course you went to uh, CM Punk. For the wrestling fans that listen to the show, was not at AEW, but he is now jo- rejoining them. Former uh, WWE superstar, and he was in MMA for a bit. Uh, but he got a shout out at your venue that you went to. Yeah, he was there at oh. uh, Punk Rock Bowling because one of his best friends is a guitarist for Rancid who played Sunday Nights. And during, right before one of his songs, he gave him a shout. He said Phil, but yeah. everyone knew that was CM Punk. And afterwards, he saw pictures of him afterwards, you know, with the band and some of the other wrestlers that were at the. So he was at the show. I- How- how was it? It was great. Everything about Vegas was great. The only thing is, I didn't make any money. <laughs> oh, you lost money? I didn't, yeah. Well, you were practicing at the Coda Dunes, yeah. and it didn't work out too well. No, did I, didn't, I didn't go to the VLs in Vegas. I went to the roulette table. And, and it didn't was, work? It was gone in seconds. But Isn't that disheartening, eh? Yeah, that's why I kind of, I didn't go over any limits. I set yeah. a little bit of budget in advance, so it was okay. Yeah. Um, but like I said, you pay for a good time, I guess. It's good to be back with you, man. Our own Sean Kleisinger's away today. He'll be back tomorrow. Lots to get to in the world of sports. How about <laughs> How about Alec Manoa? He's been sent down to the whatever the hell the Florida <laughs> baseball complex is. What the, what is that? Like is that where you send your trash? It's pretty much extended training camp. I believe this is like he's going back to Dunedin. He's going back to basically square one. It's kind of like what Roy Halliday did uh, early on in his career when he struck struggled after mm. coming up and then he went down all the way to Florida. I don't think for Manoa it's about innings. It's about going one-on-one with a coach, working on his mechanics. You know, he's seen enough batters. We know what he's, you can get out of him. It's just he's got to work on his mechanics. His velocity's gone. Like, it's it, his pitches are averaging like 91, 92 miles an hour. He used to be in the upper 90s. Yeah, I think there's something in his offseason. Like, it's been from day one this year. Like, this is not just a just came out of nowhere. This has yeah. been going all season. So I think this is going back to the offseason possibly or something that he's going to need a few weeks down. I'd imagine he's down there for at least four to six weeks. No, I'm not. I'm laughing at the Jays. They're still much better than my Padres. Probably the most disappointing team. Um, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that. And listen, I am not Alec Manoa. You're not Alec Manoa. This guy's a professional athlete, and I do hope that he can get his game right just because. When you're in the public eye, everybody wants to take shots at you. So I hope he can get his game right because he'll be vital for the Blue Jays doing anything in terms of even just making the playoffs. Oh, like, absolutely. Like they still need like that. He, even in the worst case scenario, he's the fourth or fifth starter the way they're going, even when their other guys are rolling. So yeah, you definitely need that in the postseason. So get it going now and then trying to get it figured out. Not that you have to go get some more pitch and help at the deadline. What happened to Sergey Bobrovsky? Like, he looks like Stuart Skinner right now. He can't stop a puck. And give me a break. That was a... Listen, you'll you'll be in the flame guy. That was a clean, solid, hard check by Matthew Kachuk. And I hate Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. But unbelievable that people were thinking, well, should he be suspended? No, it's a clean <laughs> check. If you don't like it, go play ping pong. I actually 100% agree. That was a clean hit. No doubt about it. No suspension. No, absolutely not. And the Vegas Golden Knights are two wins away from a championship. And their their owner, Bill Foley, when they launched the organization, he said, within seven years, we'll win. The next year, he said, actually, within six years, we'll win. And he would be right on the money if they win this thing. I don't see... Do you see Florida coming back at all in this thing? I can see them coming back. They have to win. Then Obviously, they got to win game three. I hope three. they do. I want Florida to win because they've been around longer. And Vegas all of a sudden thinks they've invented hockey. I always believe in what Don Cherry says. You can't judge a series until the team comes back to his home rink and plays one game at home. So mm. I still think there's enough time for Florida to swing the momentum. Look what they did against Boston. There's still time for them, but they got to get something out of their goaltending, whether it's Leon or Robofsky. They got to mm. figure something out mm. there. Speaking of goaltending, the Philadelphia Flyers have sent defenseman 
Uh, Ivan Provorov, who is a former Brandon Wheat King, speaking of Wheat Kings, because McCrimmon runs the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Provorov, remember, he came to light because he wouldn't go out for the pride ceremony. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was shipped off to the um, uh, Columbus. Columbus. Okay, so the, the Blue Jackets acquire Provorov from the Flyers. Philly gets Peterson from the Kings. So Peterson goes to the Kings. Yeah. And he's and a, a lot of a lot of other stuff they get in that trade too. Yeah, like it's a it's a huge trade here. But that's a that's interesting. You uh, you kind of knew that, although his jersey was selling like hotcakes after that went down. You, you thought they probably don't want a distraction. Here's how it breaks down: the Flyers sent Provorov and forward Hayden Hodgson to the Kings in exchange for goalie Cal Peterson, defenseman Sean Walker, defenseman. Uh, Helg Grands and the uh, Kings second, uh, uh, 2024 second round pick. Blue Jackets get defenseman uh, Kevin Connaughton from Philadelphia in exchange for a 2023 first round pick, 22nd overall, a conditional second round pick in either 24 or 25. And the Kings then flipped Provorov to the Blue Jackets in exchange for Connaughton. So, uh, yeah, that's how it shakes out. It's, it's like a book, but basically the big names, it's Provorov ending up in Columbus and Cal Peterson, who the, who, they bet on the Kings to be like their guy after Jonathan Quick. He is gone. There's some talk that if the Winnipeg Jets decide to move on from Connor Hellebuck, that the Kings will be in big time for uh, Connor Hellebuck. That's interesting. I mean, because they had Corpusalo and yeah, yeah Corpusalo and oh the Phoenix other guy. Co- Phoenix yeah, Copley. Copley yeah Copley yeah. yeah. So that was their duel last yeah, year. Yeah, so yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. Hellebuck's going to be an interesting name this summer for sure. Yeah, it will be absolutely. Okay, also in the world of sports, uh, we'll get the CFL in the next break. Um, what else can we tell you? Well, it's the NBA tonight, right? Am I, or do nope, they, they have another day off. Nope. They've got another day off. Nope, that's another day off. Uh, Jacob, the, Jacob the Grom, though, he's gone for the year, though. He's got Tommy John surgery. Texas Rangers acquisition. Boy, he was all that in a bag of chips back in the... With the Mets, right? With the Mets, yep. And then it just didn't pan out, and now... And you're seeing... Listen, I, I'd like to... And maybe we'll dive into this tomorrow with Ben Wagner. With the with the way the rules have changed and the, and the pitch clock and how they got to speed up and everything, strain on their arms, uh, I'm thinking we're probably going to see more and more pitchers, maybe not with that severity, but uh, maybe fatigue, like... Uh, maybe that's kind of the fatigue factor for the guy we started talking about, Alec Manoa. Maybe he can't keep up to the speed right now. That's interesting. Just how far you got to get so much data, I guess, because it's only been how many months since that. But two it could months. Be, it could be a possibility, though. Yeah, that, like, that's I mean, the guy, the guy, he's a big man, but maybe he it didn't it didn't we're we're a jive for. I think it's worked out for Kikuchi pretty well. Yeah, but it hasn't maybe worked out for Manoa. Maybe he's just got to have get his technique all down and everything like that. Because when he's speeding up, maybe he's out of rhythm, out of technique, like you were talking about, yeah. Blaine. So could be, could be. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about some big time CFL news here. Uh, you're listening to the Sports Cage brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries here on uh, the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the uh, Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries, 936 6262. The text number powered by the Capital Auto Group. Isaiah Rogers facing a potential banishment from the NFL. He's a uh, running back slash uh, kick returner, a cornerback slash kick returner for the Indianapolis Colts. And he was placing, allegedly, he had an account with a buddy and uh, he was placing a bunch of bets. Uh, 25 to $50, the majority of them. Some of them were like in the $1,000 range, like four digits. And uh, some were on the Colts games. 
God. Like, how dumb can you be? Like, are you that much of a degenerate? You literally make a million dollars a year as an NFL player, and you are betting $25 to $50 a time. Like, are you... What is going on? Stupid. <laughs> Stupid. I, I'm scared to look up what his college was because he obviously didn't learn something about economics back at his university days. <laughs> like, I'm going- and, and, and here's the thing, too. This is, I said this yesterday on the show. I don't understand this. Like, There seems to be as much an outrage of a guy betting on his own games as there is where he bet. Yeah. Like, who cares if he bet in the Colts' bathroom or did it at the grocery store? He bet on his team, allegedly. Yeah, because of the Detroit Lions suspension, like Jameson Williams. His yeah. whole big deal was because he was doing at the facility. So, yeah, that is kind of a little bit Okay, silly. and let's be honest. Let's be Okay, come on. Are we this naive in the world? This has probably been going on with bookies and stuff for years, okay? You got to go back to the Tim Donahue thing yeah. with basketball, the referee. But come on, man. You can't tell me dudes aren't betting on games right now. That If you think that isn't happening, especially now with the advent of all these sites and everything, come on, man. <laughs> Give me a break. You can't. I've got. I've got. I've got losers trolling me on Twitter that that are cutting down my job and cutting down what I do, but they don't have their real name. And you're going to tell me that Blaine Wyland can't make up Trucknut69 as he's a corner for the Washington Commanders, and he can't make up Trucknut69 and bet on games? Like, come <laughs> on. Like, give me a break. I'm just laughing because this is exactly my first conversation with my Uber driver when I got to Vegas. We are talking about impossible fixes and gambling, and we got into this whole gambling fix possibility and I like to think I am a little bit naive but in terms of actual I think there is some I don't you know s- why the CFL is better Blaine because the CFL doesn't involve all the like it's in gambling yeah. but the CFL doesn't involve all the money like it's just a mom and pop league it is a up listen it's a highly it's a high quality professional league that I love but it's so mom and pop that it, this isn't even a... They do have protocol, too, yeah. but, like, come on, man. Yeah, you can't I, even have real fantasy football in the CFL. With well, nine that's teams. because there's only eight teams. That's nine teams. Nine teams, sorry. You know, you, you are, we already lost a team. Did we lose? Is that a story I missed? No, because my dream is that we have either eight or ten teams. We need so. ten teams. Ten we teams. need ten teams. We need to find a way to get that tenth team. Hopefully, it's down east in the Halifax region. Hey, speaking of this... Well, the Bobbers run the league... The Bobbers are the flagship franchise. They're the team. Now, granted, they were in the they were in the game, but the the TSN preseason ratings are in Montreal versus Ottawa, two hundred seventy five thousand nine hundred combined with RDS numbers. Yeah. Hamilton, Montreal, with RDS. 140,000. Mm-hmm. The Riders Winnipeg, the two hotbeds of football, give it to them. They got good fans too. Yep. 361,700. And I'm going to make an early prediction. Here's an early prediction. The Riders will have the best TV ratings this week, week one, the guaranteed win game, Edmonton versus Saskatchewan. Trevor Harris's first game back. Uh, this is the biggest, Blaine, this is the biggest opening game in the last 10 years for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And I don't think I'm wrong saying that. This is a huge game for the Riders because that home opener is not sold out yet. The Kim Mitchell Dad's Night Out, because who cares about Dad? Uh, get your tickets because I feel the Riders will be 1-0, and ready to 
smack around the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but this is, would you not agree? Oh, absolutely. I agree with you 100% that this is a big one. You don't want to fall down 0-1 with a short week coming against the Blue Bombers in week two. So, And it's a divisional matchup. You're going up against a desperate team at Edmonton. You know it's going to be coming out, firing off, playing off good football because they obviously got something to prove with a guaranteed win night and having not won a home game forever. So Since Moon was a rookie. Yeah. So, we're, like, seriously, though, we're, we're like, Think about it. You're you're you've been a Rider fan. You've been a season ticket holder with your parents all these years before you started covering the Riders. I can't think of one in the last ten years that has been probably it's been ten years because the Rough Riders had that brutal 2011. Then in 2012, we um, we uh, lost in Calgary in the semifinal game. Chamberlain's first year here, mm-hmm. and probably. I'd say 2013 because we wanted to take that next step and we went all in because it was a home great cup, right? Yep, yep. Or, or 2014, um, 20, uh, 20, no, sorry. The other one would be uh, 2010 after the 13th man game, the July 1st game here against Montreal, the, maybe the greatest regular season home opener I've ever witnessed yep. in my life and I haven't seen them all, but those are the only other games I can think of that is that might be on par with this one right here on Sunday. Yeah, I was going to say that Montreal game when SJ Green made that amazing catch, that overtime game in 2010, uh, right after that 2009 Great Cup. I would say that's probably the closest one to the And that equivalent. was a very interesting it was a there was a stretch of a couple of years that I was not a member of the Rider broadcast team, and that was one of them. And I helped my brother move into his place in Okotoks, and he said, "I will buy supper, okay, from a certain chicken establishment, and that's all I'm going to say, okay. I will buy supper." So I had said chicken, July the first, two thousand and ten, right when the kickoff happened, opening quarter. I went to the washroom without getting descriptive about four minutes to go in the opening quarter and I did not emerge from the washroom for more than one minute at a time, one minute intervals, Blaine Wyland, for the entire rest of the game. And that sucker went to overtime. <laughs> and I have I have not partaken in in many chicken meals since then. That's all I'm going to say. It's a slippery slope. That's all I'm going to say. So that's what I remember. That I could hear the game. I could hear Chris Cuthbert call the game with Glenn Suter. I could hear the... I, I, <laughs> serious, I don't want to get too descriptive, but I'd waddle out of the bathroom just to see on the big screen if the touchdown... Oh, that was great. Because we didn't... The smartphones yep. weren't as good, so you couldn't... You know what I mean? Yep. Then I'd go back into the bathroom... We got called in that game, too. We got called in that game for a 13th yep. man penalty. Yep. And nobody could believe... I was in the bathroom going... My brother goes, we, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, what? We just got called for a 13th man penalty. I'm like, are you kidding me? I forgot to pull up my shorts, like my 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 dress shorts, to come out. I was half naked because I was so irate that we got another 13th man penalty. I was going to ask you if you had a trail of TP drag across <laughs> with you. <laughs> Tell you. So back to my original statement in a roundabout way. It is the biggest. This is huge. Yeah. Huge for both teams. Absolutely. Edmonton is... Edmonton has put decals on their helmet and they're they've sold what was it 90 at 250 a pop, okay? They have guaranteed you tickets if you sit in certain sections and they lose, you get tickets to the next home game in that section and if they lose again, you get to come back and you get to come back till they win a game. Like how 
That's basically saying, we don't respect you, Saskatchewan. We're going to stick it. You are, and, and a lot of their media guys are saying, six-win team. Six-win team. We have a better quarterback. I think we're better on the O-line. Although the tackles now with Hawkins not being there. Yeah, that, that definitely raised some questions. But that's what they got Philip Blake for in those two extra guards. We thought would there be an issue with a sixth guard? Mm-hmm. With Furland and Johnson, but I guess they're both going to be in there now. So why you uh, bring in good depth, and the Riders did that in training camp. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with the news. Uh, we got our... Um or Cougars in the Cage segment. And then, of course, we are going to uh, talk to Bill Shea from The Athletic. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Time now for Cougars in the Cage, a weekly look at the sporting scene of the University of Regina. Well, today we're going to focus on the Rams and the Rams in the CFL. We're going to hear from Theron Churchill coming up after 430 uh, he is with the Edmonton Elks going against your Rough Riders. On the Riders, the former Rams are Jorgen Hughes, Mitch Pickton, and newly minted Jackson Ford, the draft pick, who was picked in the uh, second round by the Riders this past draft. Then we've got uh, Anthony Bennett and Tanner Schmeckel, who were taken off the Rams' D-line by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And, of course, yesterday we had Ryder Varga on the show and the great longtime assistant coach in Calgary, Mark Mueller. Good luck to the former Rams in the CFL here coming up in week one. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. All right, we're just trying to figure out some technical difficulties here. The uh, you got the co-host PC there. Bring that audio up there. Okay, okay. We'll see if we get this. I uh, had a chance to sit down with Bill Shea from the Athletic here. We'll see if we can run this audio or not here. With the Athletics, Bill Shea's rejoining the show after a little uh, break, but we're glad to have you back on. Uh, are you intrigued by these NBA finals? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's it's one of the the gem events in you know American professional sports. So it's uh, it's always one that people tune in for. And somebody like me that writes about TV viewership, it is definitely interesting. So I am interested in that. So far uh, through a couple of games, what have we seen, or can you get that data yet? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually doing a lot better, I think, than a lot of people thought. You know, Miami's got Jimmy Butler and, and some talent, but, you know, they were an eight seed. Denver obviously has a two-time MVP on the roster, and this is their first finals. And it's a relatively small market team, so there was some hand-wringing about, you know, how is this going to do compared to a theoretical, you know, Celtics Lakers meeting for the 13th time in the finals. Um, and obviously those are our, our big markets, but you know, we're, we're still looking at, uh, you know, 11 million plus for, for game one and game two's numbers just came out and matched game two last year, you know, when it was, uh, the Golden State Warriors, a huge TV draw and Boston, which obviously is one of the bedrock franchises of the, of the NBA. So I, I think that's better than a lot of people expected and you know Miami pulling off the upset at Denver certainly helps and sets up a longer series 
The Miami Heat and Denver Nuggets, two interesting, almost mirror franchises. You had a nice little uh, dive into it uh, on uh, on or in the Athletic, and I follow you on Twitter. Just talk a bit about uh, some of the the comparisons. First off, Miami's the newer franchise, right? Yeah, I mean Miami's only been around since '88. Um, Denver goes back to 1967, back when they were in the ABA and they were the Denver Rockets, way back in the in the day um so you know they've got about 20 years on on the heat yeah and and that is evident in social media right twitter followers instagram followers facebook followers quite decisive in favor of the heat yeah if you just look at at facebook alone you know miami has over 14 million people who actually follow the team on that platform denver it's 2.1 million um you know, it's it's a very stark difference, and you know, and part of that stems from you know the Heat's won some championships, and and for a while had that LeBron James led team that you know made it to four finals and, and won two of them. That that does wonders for your social media, uh, you know, the reach that you have and the ability to reach fans through social platforms, especially younger fans, um, does wonders for that. This is Denver's first. Um, you know, championship finals uh, since that franchise began. And, and if they win, um, you know, I'm not saying they're going to get 14 million more Facebook followers or anything, but it will grow considerably. And, uh, of course, when you win a championship, uh, if you're Stan Kroenke and his uh, sports empire, the Nuggets are a part of that. It'd be nice to bring that into the whole championship banner along with Colorado and, of course, the, uh, the uh, St. Louis Rams and Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, Cranky Sports and Entertainment um, is uh, their their championship uh, display case uh, has uh, has plenty of hardware in it. It is probably going to get a lot more over the years. Yeah, when you win a championship, how much does that increase your your value of your franchise? Would you think? Um, it, it, you know, it, it's not as much as people think. It certainly doesn't detract from it at all. Um, you know, it, it, it does build sort of around the edges additional value. But, you know, the chief value of these teams is derived from their their media rights deals. You know, they're taking in billions of dollars, um, you know, from the TV network, from the tech giants. And, you know, and with the NBA, there's more coming in a couple of years with their, their new deals. So, you know, whoever wins um, – this year's finals, you know, both of them will see increased values with the, when those new meteorites deals happen. You know, it's the, the theory of a rising tide lifts all boats. And in the case of, of major league sports in the U.S., that, that tide rises considerably and all those boats go flying up. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, the Joker earlier from Denver. He... Uh... <laughs> he uh, kind of bucks the trend. He is just a humble superstar in the NBA. He is, um, you know, and, and, you know, he's, he's not American and that it has traditionally been difficult to market, um, foreign born, um, superstars as somebody like a, a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan that's, you know, becomes a huge part of the culture beyond just basketball or, or sports. Um, you know, will he be, you know, will Joker become a household name? I, it, winning this championship would certainly help. He already has two MVPs. Um, you know, will he be, you know, and post players too. I mean, some of them become certainly famous Shaq and, and Hakeem and, and players like that. Um, you know, but you know, he's going to benefit from more endorsement deals, more exposures, 
things like that. Um, is he ever going to be as big as a LeBron or a, an MJ? Probably not. Um, that's just sort of how things play out with professional superstars. But, you know, I doubt he's losing much sleep over. Uh, do you know, Do you have any uh, reading on what the NHL's done so far with the Stanley Cup final between Vegas and Florida, another uh, Florida team in a final? You know, I'm waiting to see some additional numbers because uh, uh, I've seen some early numbers floating out there, um, but I, I've not seen anything concrete, so I didn't want to say anything yet. I, I did see one number that put it over $2 million for Game 1, and if that is, in fact, accurate, um, I think the the folks at Turner Sports and, and Batman and the rest of them are maybe they're not popping champagne corks yet, but I think they would have to be extremely pleased with something like that. But again, I've not seen the official numbers yet, but we are in a period where number one, that it's difficult to predict how any sort of sporting event is going to do because of all of the changing habits and technologies with the public and then how they consume live sports. Um, but you know, it's, it's an interesting, interesting matchup. Um, you know, a, a team literally in the desert and a, and a team in South Florida. Um, this is not, you know, we're a long way from the original six um, with that sort of matchup, but it is building new fans. And I think ultimately it's good for the national hockey league, but you know, it, it would be nice. I think at some point to see some of the original six teams or some, you know, the Maple Leafs or somebody finally, finally win one again. But uh you know, it's, that's that's what I'm keeping my eye real close on to see how that series does sort of presents, you know, a, a temperature check for the modern National Hockey League. Bill Shea from The Athletic. Thanks as always, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. Take care. Here with The Athletic. I'm uh, with Blaine Wyland here. The uh, show is brought to you by our friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Um, all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. And you can always uh, call us uh, 936-6262 or text that number, 936-6262, powered by the Capital Auto Group. Or you can get a hold of us uh, toll-free if you want to talk some sports one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty yeah so uh we'll get to uh some um cfl talk here um in a second with blaine wyland as he is just wrapping up his discussion with somebody off the air i don't anyway uh, i was going to ask you the question before we get to uh cfl talk when you were on the farm yeah. Were you the? Did you drive truck? Did you drive a tractor? What did? What were your duties? Or oh, you just went I'd, and played in the yard? I had very little. I helped, like, help with grain a couple of times. But my dad had three brothers that working with him yeah. as well, so I didn't do too much of the farm work. I worked for a week at my uncle Ron's dairy farm near Sintaluda one summer when I was about, I want to say, thirteen or fourteen. I was like, that's that's that cinched it for me. I got to do a job where I don't like. I'm in shape and I like yeah. working out, but that's a whole nother ball of wax. Like that is a whole nother ball of wax. Chucking bales and all that stuff. And I'm not doing that. Nope, nope. We did get a text uh, yeah. from Chad. He said, yeah. I think 90 percent are done seeding. And yes, we want rain okay. always, okay. especially after this heat and okay. wind dust blowing again. Okay, good. I'm happy for you if you want rain. And we got another text there at nine three six sixty two sixty two. Just before, yeah, a little bit earlier on about. Uh, from Rob. He said, love the show, Ballsy. And just remember, the gambling is a tax on the stupid. Yeah, I uh, 
I was on a gambling, like I do a little bit of gambling, like just on baseball and stuff like that, hockey. And I, um, for a while there, I was on a roll. Like I don't get, like I'm, I'm like this dude in Indianapolis. I bet twenty five or twenty or fifteen, right? And I, I bet generally what I think's going to win, not long shots. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, I started with twenty in my account, twenty five, and I got up to. Um, about 320 and this will tell you, I'm down to $2.50. And I said to myself, I'm not adding any more money, so I will bet $1 increments till I can get back up and build up my nest egg. I'm not doing that like that. I, so I don't bet uh, earth, earth-shattering money, but come on. Like, you don't think guys do this already. Those dudes are playing fantasy football in the NFL. Yeah, there, there's something on the... Whether it's... I think just the question, it's whether it's... Directly in their own game or not? They're, they're I think it's safe to say Pete Rose, who you're a fan of, Pete Rose needs to be in the baseball hall. Of oh, Fame by room. now, come on! Like, I mean, the guy gambled. There's no doubt about it. He never it. gambled on his team. Exactly. He never gambled. There's on no his team. record of him gambling on his team. And Pete Rose is the type of guy. Yeah, he's not the saint whatsoever. But the one thing he won't do is bet against his team. Like, it, there's a reason they call him Charlie Hustle. Like, yeah, I mean, he's the guy. And who let me ask out. you this. Let me ask you this. Is it is it so bad if he bet on his team? Like, if he bet on his team, if Isaiah Rogers of the Colts bet on his team, we're going to beat them by 20 points. How is that bad? Like, he didn't do anything. Like, he he's trying to do his best to to keep the integrity of the bet and the game going. It's not like he said, okay, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pick the Raiders by six and a half, and I'm going to fumble the punt. He did. He maybe did that, but you know what I'm saying? If he did it on his own for his own team, he didn't do anything. Yeah, it's putting your money where your mouth is, really what it is. That's really what it is. But, yeah, there's just always that... Who bet it? Uh, there's always a little connection whatsoever. You just there's there's so many games and so many options. Why do you pick the one that you know you have the one connection to? I guess. But the other part of it, like I said, is he bet. Oh yes, he bet on the Colts. He bet on Colts games, <laughs> but he bet from the washroom at the facility, or he was in the snack yeah. room. Who cares where he bet? Like, what's the big? Give me a break. Anyway, let's get to some CFL news. Remember back in July of last year, the Rough Riders were on a bit of a roll, and they ended up beating the Ottawa Red Blacks here, and that was the Garrett Marino takeout Jeremiah Masoli game. And he uh, flexed and acted kind of the fool there and ended up paying the price for it, right? So he is uh, now... Um, not in the CFL anymore. Jeremiah Masoli has not played a football game since then. And Jeremiah Masoli, it was announced today, will not be playing in the first two games of the year for the Ottawa Red Blacks. It sucks, he said. You can hang your head and feel bad about it, or you can make the decision to be positive and look at the glasses half full. That's from Tim Baines of Post Media. Ottawa has a bye week uh, in week three that will provide the veteran QB extra time to rest ahead of the week four meeting with Edmonton on June the 30th. He completed 66% of his passes last year, his first in Ottawa for 1,083 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, carried the ball 11 times for 39 yards. So Nick Arbuckle gets the start at quarterback for Bob Dice and the Ottawa Red Blacks. They open their regular season against Montreal on Saturday on the road. So that's, how do you feel about that? How did you feel about that whole Marino thing? In terms of... The whole thing. Like, is like the hit itself? Are we talking the aftermath? Everything. That's I what I mean by everything. I didn't like the aftermath of terms of Marino flexing, that's yeah. for sure. Um, the hit, eh, low, but I mean... Two years before that, it was not an egregious... Yeah, they they no, just yeah. changed, changed the rules. Uh, I don't think I don't think it was a... Um, 
over-the-top dirty hit, but he has been known to be a dirty player, so his reputation preceded him. Um, and you obviously don't feel bad for Jeremiah Masoli because you don't want to see a guy's career uh, tank because of it. So I do wish him all the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a big blow for Bob Dice trying to start out the uh, season. Yeah, it's just starting quarterback, and who knows? How, like they just hopefully it's saying it's week four, but you never know. It could linger a little bit longer into the weeks afterwards. Well, I wonder if we have the same situation, albeit a different injury, with Derek Moncrief. Like uh, Derek Moncrief, uh, they were hoping to get him week one. And I think it's safe to say he's not playing in Edmonton, and I know he was getting shoulder tested yesterday because Coach was on our show saying that. So I'll be interested to see how he. Uh, you know, evolves with his injury and if he can make it back onto the roster anytime soon. I I have no information on this. I am it's just purely speculation on my part. I'm hoping for week three. Like I'm hoping for week three. I found it and I'll say this based on my own opinion. My son is twenty one, Derek Moncrief is twenty nine. My he has more miles off his body, okay? My son had his surgery January 9th. Shoulder labrum tear. Derek Moncrief had his in November. Now, I don't know. He said he, he told me his was a pretty bad tear. My son's was a two to six degree tear. They measure it like, picture a clock. So two to six. My son, his rotation wasn't good there. That was the, the tear. My son is back. He's been faithful with his physical therapy and everything like that because he has to be because they're on him at school like they tell you you be in the weight room you be in the PT you gotta be there these these professional athletes are on their own I'm not saying Derek didn't work out I'm just saying my kid had to be there at 8 all the time and he's a younger guy so I thought okay well Derek's not in the lineup like in training camp he's not gonna be ready for week 1 so I'm thinking it's probably in my opinion closer to maybe week 2 but probably you know hopefully week 3 that's how I feel. Yeah, going by your timeline there, if Moncrief was late November. Usually, I think labrums are about six to seven yep. months. Usually, yep. and my kid came back a month early, a month early ahead of schedule, fully contact, ready to go. So, but like I said, he's eight years younger too. Yeah, and got to build yourself up a little bit, missing training camp. So, yeah. I can see week three being the best case scenario. And you don't want to rush it, and if you can find a guy, like Dolkey can come down in the box, uh, and, and they can bump uh, Revis back to safety if they have to. They can move Revis into the Sam spot. They can yeah. move uh, Nelson Lacombo around, too. So they've got some flexibility there in the secondary. Yeah, and the defensive side, I think, you know, having one guy out that can, you know, absolve that loss on defense. Even if Moncrief is one of the top defensive players for the team, I still think they got enough veteran presence they can pick it up with the rest of the players, especially that defensive line applying pressure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so that's uh, interesting uh, news. Also, we told you the CFL uh, preseason uh, ratings. This is interesting. Chris Collinsworth, who is the uh, Sunday Night Football color commentator, former uh, receiver with the Cincinnati Bengals, um, he has a partner. He's a partner in Pro Football Focus, so they measure all the intangibles for players. Like they'll grade the left tackle through the all the left tackles, or who's the best on second or whatever. The CFL has. Created created a partnership with Pro Football Focus to create player grades and analysis. So that's pretty good. Hopefully it works better than what Genius has been spilling out <laughs> during the games because I echo what the Moj and Julio Caravada have been saying in BC with very poor uh, stats. 
Yeah, like, like, timely so, stats. Still waiting to see more of the genius result, but yeah, that PF, PFF is definitely a good sign to step forward. Like if you watch those Sunday night football broadcasts and they show the player profiles, they always show PFF rank. So it's a highly regarded. Uh, ranking situations, so uh, that's definitely a step in the right direction, especially since it's something that's measured with all the leagues, not just the NFL, but NCAA, USFL, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. Um, how do you think that NBA Finals is going to go? Tied at one apiece. I think it's going to go to Denver in the end. Um, I six? S- yeah. I always said beforehand it would have been like a five or six. Would have been my guess. I don't think it was going to go I tell seven. You, I never really paid attention to, and I'm not a big NBA guy. I think it's, a, I, I'd rather watch, literally, I would rather watch a one nothing soccer game than three-point NBA shooting. I think it's a real, like I like the NBA in the 1990s mm-hmm. and the early 2000s, the Kobe era with the Shaq and they won three-peat, and then I was done. Like it's, as soon as Steph Curry came here and changed it all, he ruined basketball. Now it's three-pointers and all these half-court shots. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm a huge NBA guy. But I will tell you this. I never really paid attention to Jimmy Butler. Did you? No. Not really, no. So I'm amazed at how well he's doing. Yeah, no, yeah. Like Jimmy Butler is probably... Like, you could say what you want about Nikolai Jokic, the Joker, yeah. in Denver. He's awesome. But Jimmy Butler has literally dragged the Miami Heat this far. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest basketball guy as well, but that's one thing I've noticed as Butler has been really... Uh, Carrying as you said the the heat to the final, especially coming out from that play in playoff game where they were only have a shot to first get into the playoffs to begin with. And how about how about the uh, Vegas Golden Knights? Um, like they are Aiden Hill's like their fourth goalie. He made twenty nine <laughs> saves yesterday, seven two. Like they're playing their you know what off in front of them. They're doing a great yeah. job the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. But like, are you who would think Aiden Hill would outduel Jake Ottinger? I had Stuart Skinner. At least Stuart Skinner was up for Rookie of the Year. He outdueled Stuart Skinner by a long shot. He outdueled Jake Ottinger, who absolutely collapsed with the Dallas Stars. And he's outdueling Bobrovsky, who was the only reason Florida got this far. He's the modern-day Chris Osgood, Anton Niemi. You know, in terms of goalies, you didn't think would be Stanley yeah, Cup a good champions. One. I like that. That's a good one. But uh, yeah. well, How about this? Who would have ever thunk it? They've been compared since day one. Who would have ever thunk it that he would have... A played in one and won a Stanley Cup, Jack Eichel before Connor McDavid. <laughs> I know you laugh as a Calgary Flames I, fan, and you love it, so you can shut up. Especially, but I'm just telling you, like, who would have ever thought that? That's you, how crazy sports is. Especially, like, what, 18 months ago? He's in you, Buffalo, and they had the, the disc problem. Yeah. He never thought he'd be anything, and then he got absolutely lit up like a Christmas tree yesterday. Those are two of my most despised players in the league. I can't stand Jack Eichel only because of he's going to win a cup before McDavid. And I cannot handle Matthew Kachuk. But I'll tell you what, that was a clean hit. Absolutely clean. And I still love Kachuk. You must, I can laugh at you. You must be absolutely choked that Matthew Kachuk is lighting up in Florida. Like, that's your boy right there. That is my boy. But imagine if the Oilers would have took him instead of Pooley Arvey, how good they would have been. I know. <laughs> I'm just going to throw my pen at you. <laughs> You son of a gun. I, gotta, take, I always got to turn around to Edmonton. We're going to take a break and be back. I'm still not over that. We'll be back with Arash Madani, coast to coast for smart investing solutions after 4 o'clock here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all from Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between. This is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. 
And it's brought to you by our good friends over there at Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Arash Madani is in Miami getting ready for the NBA championship game number three, which goes down tomorrow. Before we do that, though, Arash, I need to throw a curveball at you. Yeah. If Alec Manoa's throwing this curveball, it's probably hit out of the park. If I'm throwing it, it, yep. it, la- it lands right in your glove. Uh, he's down at the floor. <laughs> he's he's at the Florida Complex League, whatever the hell that is. What are they hoping to accomplish with this? Complete restart, Ballsy. I mean, just completely start from scratch. And I'm not comparing the two. I'm not. But remember, early in Roy Halladay's career... He went through the same kind of thing where he went down to Dunedin and remade his mechanics and started all over again. Uh, Look, Manoa hasn't been himself. He hasn't been right. He's been all over the map. A lot of this, and guys, I mean, he's spoken openly about it. Kevin Kiermaier told the Toronto Sun yesterday that Manoa's lacking confidence right now. Manoa's saying instead of, you know, throwing a pitch with conviction, believing it's going to be a strike, I'm telling myself, I hope this isn't a ball. And so, you know, there's no time for a reset at the big league level. You know, you're in the you're in the business of winning games. And it feels these days like the Blue Jays are winning a lot of games when Manoa's not pitching, and they're losing a lot of games when he is. So when you last 38 pitches like you did last night, you give up a grand slam like you did last night, you have one out before getting yanked, and your home crowd is booing you um, after you know two months of this. It's time to go back into the lab in a non-pressure environment. Try to identify the issues and go from there. I think the issue is, and I don't know baseball as well as maybe you. I think the issue is he hasn't uh, adjusted to the pitch clock. He hasn't adjusted to it. I think it's it's knocked out all his mechanics. It's made him tired faster. I think that's a big issue for him that nobody's talking about. I think that's part of it. I think part of it is he's not used to failure. Like let's remember what Alec Manoa has been: dominant pitcher in high school, dominant pitcher in college first-round pick, I mean, just fast-tracked his way to the major leagues, where in his you know, first full year in the bigs, he was pitching in the All-Star game. He was mic'd up talking to John Smoltz. He got the start in a, in a wild-card game. He got, a, he got the opening day ball this, this year. This is the first time he's been you know, proverbial punched in the mouth, and he hasn't been able to figure it out. And so I just, you know, I think the pitch clock's part of it. I think mentally it's part of it. I wonder where his mechanics are. Alec looks a little bigger than he did last year. Could that just have his whole equilibrium not in balance? I mean, there, there's so much to dissect about this. And um, he's supposed to be the ace, man. He was, he was one of the favorites to win the Cy Young this year, and now he's basically not even gone to AAA. They've said, let's go back to the facility, your spring training facility, and really start all over again. Hit a full reset button on this. So I'm, uh, you know me, I'm, I'm, I've fallen out of love with the NBA, but uh, I do remember yeah. the Toronto Raptors run, and I do remember Kyle Lowry was a big part of it. You've had a chance to sit down with him one-on-one. He's 37 years old, and he's not the bell of the ball anymore. We're talking about Jimmy Butler now. But uh, what did you uh, get from that sit-down with Kyle Lowry? Well, a few things. I, I started the interview, Baldy, and I just asked him, you know, what from 2019 
going all the way to the finals, winning a championship, do you take on this journey, on this run four years later? And, you know, one of the things he said was, you know, you got to stay even keel and stay in the moment, not get too high, not to get, not get low. And then he just started mentioning some of his old buddies from that 2019 team, and he just couldn't keep the smile off his face. And it, it really is a kinship that that Toronto group together kind of built. So that, that, that was one thing. And the other is, yeah, you mentioned his age, and Kyle was banged up towards the end of the season. Bolton, he got demoted. Like, they benched him, and they said, you're going to come off the bench because we need to keep you healthy. You'll be with our second unit. And, and Lowry admitted to me, he said, you know, young Kyle, he would have asked for a trade and wanted the hell out. Older Kyle now realizes, okay, this will, this will let me play the entire playoffs if we have a minute's limit on me and I come off the bench. And the other thing, Balti, that he's playing the fourth quarter when it matters. He was on the floor at the end of the game mm-hmm. in Denver. Who cares if you're you know, starting or not? It, it matters if you're on the floor when, when the game's hanging in the balance. Hindsight's twenty twenty because you're always right when you look back, maybe in hindsight. Uh, I just wonder secretly if Kawhi Leonard... You know, and Kyle Lowry, those guys all stay together. Like if if Kawhi Leonard decides to be the big dude in in the only team in Canada in the NBA instead of going to LA, because it sure hasn't worked out for him there. Maybe it'll work out for Lowry here. They had quite a team there, and you just talked about it with the big smile on Lowry's face. Yeah, and the thing with Leonard was the pro- the reason why Kawhi Leonard was traded to Toronto from San Antonio is that so if you've heard this before, Ballsy with with Kawhi. He couldn't stay healthy. Yeah. And basically, since he left Toronto for the Clippers, he has not been able to stay healthy in L.A. either. In the small little flickers where he did have a bit of a run, the Clippers were okay. Mm -hmm. And Kawhi dominated. And I I still think today a healthy Kawhi Leonard, the top five, top six player in the NBA, the problem is... You know, as an old GM would tell me, what's the difference between an injured player and a crappy one? Nothing, because neither <laughs> are of any use to me. Yeah, that's, that's um, a good point. So, yeah, so look, Lowry's fit in. He's an older dude. He understands his role as part of the second unit, as part of down the stretch minutes he provides. He knows this is Jimmy Butler's team. He knows this is about Bam Adebayo. They have six undrafted dudes on that team. He's letting Gabe Vincent go do his thing. Uh, he's he's providing such value in the role he has now. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of people in Toronto that wonder, if not for Kawhi leaving, that next season especially, yeah, what could have happened? Okay, so uh, you had the one-on-one with him. What does it mean to 37-year-old Kyle Lowry to win a second ring? He wants, as Drake would say, he wants some uh, what, some uh, dip with his chips. Maybe he wants some more dip with his chips. Let's talk about that. I tell you what, Paulie, you know what happened today? I asked Kyle Lowry that question, and for the first time, and I don't know how long, he actually went speechless. Really? He just, he just, oh man, he just, and he just kind of looked at me, just kind of. It was almost as if the wheels were going on in the head. The hamster was on the wheel trying to, he said, I just can't answer that question. I can't tell you. Hmm. And that's when it hit me. Like, you know, guys say we have to be laser focused and locked in and, you know, one game at a time, the rest. I almost think maybe it is because he's at age 37. He's been through a bunch of playoffs. He's won before. He hasn't gotten ahead of himself um, to, to go that far in his head. 
Yeah. Maybe that's the case, but you could tell this would be huge for him. He also said, by the way, 2019, he said, was the best year of his career and the best year of his life. Mm. I thought that was really intriguing, too. This guy's the best reporter in sports right here, Rash Madani from Sports. Had a couple more minutes with him. We're happy to have him here. So, um, I, I listen, not a, I fell out of love with the NBA, but I do know this. You're on your home court. You gave up 36 points in the fourth quarter. Your coach calls you out. What do you make of the Nuggets here? What do you make of that? And usually... Usually in the playoffs, momentum or lack of momentum does not carry over to the next game. Well, tell you what, this morning in the visitor's locker room here in Miami, this was the scene. Michael Malone turned off the lights and turned on the video machine, and they watched 17 different clips from from Sunday night. Excuse me. 17 different clips from game two. Wow. That showed a real lack of discipline and led to 40 Miami points. And Malone's point was concentration leads to communication. And when you're not communicating, you're going to have a lack of discipline. And when you're not communicating and when you're not concentrating, and when you have a lack of discipline, this is what happens, guys. Mm-hmm. And then after they watched the film, Ballsy, Malone turned on the lights and said, okay, Open forum. Speak honestly. Speak freely. Any and all of you, based on what you saw, based on what you think. Now, I don't know how other teams do it. And, and sometimes in the movies, you, you know, you hear about the speeches and guys stepping up. But this is a real critical part of the playoffs, well, of the finals. But in these playoffs, Denver hasn't really faced much adversity. And I think today... What Malone was trying to do was just almost have a cleansing. Okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let's okay. flush this. Let me ask you this. Okay, Jimmy yep. Butler has been here before in the final. Okay, yep. he has basically dragged this team here. Kyle Lowry, we've already talked about, it's won a ring. The Denver Nuggets have never been in a championship final. Where, like, is 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 that a is that an, a, a huge intangible? I guess is where I'm going. I don't think it's an intangible, but I do think the worrisome point for the Nuggets is that it's been back-to-back fourth quarters where they've been dreadful. Remember, they they got outscored 15-2 to at one stretch in game one of the fourth quarter, and then Miami opened the fourth in Denver's gym on a 13-2 to run to get game two's fourth quarter going. Denver needs to clean up defensively in the fourth quarter if they want any shot at this. And on that note, what's the key in Game 3 besides that? Anything else uh, from like Miami's standpoint that you see Game 3 on their home court here? They're playing with house money. They have been all playoffs. Yeah, I, I thought the matchup that changed everything was Jimmy Butler going on Jamal Murray. You know, Butler drew the matchup on Murray, and and I don't say this because Jamal's Canadian. After Jokic, he's the most important player on that team. Mm-hmm. And we were saying last week, Paul, do you remember? Robin to Batman? Yeah. And Jamal Murray was held to 10 points in the first three quarters of Game 2. If Jamal can't get space, if Jamal can't get open looks, that's a problem. And so that, to me, is the key of Game 3 is... Who is Butler going to defend? And if it's Murray, what is Denver going to do to try and counteract that? Arash, this is fun, man. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you on Thursday, okay?
You got it both. Just one last thing. Yep. I thought this was really cool today. Yep. Jeff Green, NBA vet, been around forever. Off-season home, suburban Miami. He invited every single Nuggets player and staff member to his house last night for a team dinner. And everybody showed. Wow. Did you uh, did you invite all the reporters to your hotel for something to eat? <laughs> I didn't, and I was waiting for Jeff's invitation. It didn't come. <laughs> but he just wanted to take the edge off. He wanted the guys to look around and say, hey, we're in this together. We're... We're three wins away from a championship, not three losses away from a defeat. And I thought that was really cool. No better sports reporter than this guy, Rash Madani. Thanks for your time, man. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Rash Madani, Sportsnet Coast to Coast for Smart Investing Solutions. Our clutch performance coming up here on the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries. The main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups here on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Time now for your clutch performance. And your clutch performance is brought to you by our good friends at Nick's Service out in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. You can uh, give our good friends at Nick's Service a call, 781-1077. Our clutch performance, we share it with two guys, Jonathan So Two goals, Aiden Hill, the fourth goalie for the Vegas Golden Knights this year. Fourth goalie. Not the first, not the second. Not the third, the fourth. 29 saves and a 7-2 win over Florida. They're up two games to none in the Stanley Cup final. I just saw this, and I, 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 I'm, I'm going to scratch my head and just kind of... This is an interesting business model. Um... Now, Lululemon is a uh, is a place that I have frequented because I've bought my significant other clothing there, okay? I have some Lululemon stuff myself. I rather enjoy Lululemon. But the CEO, Calvin McDonald, has just doubled down on his decision to fire two employees who called the police after three men robbed their store in Georgia. Quote, it's only merchandise, he said. We have a zero-tolerance policy that we train our educators on around engaging during a theft, he said, while defending the company's decision. That 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 makes no... So that makes... That, like, so the employees, by the sounds of it... Now, I haven't done a deep dive into the story. I'm just getting this on a retweet, okay? And generally, but it's... it. I've looked, and this story did happen. So there was a theft at one of their Georgia stores, and he fired two employees who called the cops about the <laughs> the robbery. I'm waiting for the punch. Like, no, the I know, I know, I know. So, like, here. are we... We're looking after, like... The, your store got ripped off, and you just said it's only merchandise. So aren't you opening up yourself to further theft? Yeah, this is... Uh, that is one of the weirdest... Uh, weird, yeah. Can somebody help me? Like, I was dumbfounded that we are five cents more expensive for gas than Saskatoon. We both saw that, right? <laughs> yeah. When we have a refinery here. That's a little dumbfounding. But th- I don't get this. Can somebody... There are a lot more smarter people than me in the world. If somebody has read deeper into the story, please, 936-6262. Yeah, that's a... Like, it's not like there was... By the sounds of it, it's not like anybody wrestled for a knife or a gun with uh, endangering other employees or other patrons of the store. They literally probably called the cops to arrest these 
this or these people that stole from their store. <laughs> so was he not? Were they not supposed to call the cops at all? Uh, apparently, <laughs> like, apparently. Go? Somebody help me out there. I don't. And I know you're like, why are you talking about this? Well, sometimes uh, we talk about <laughs> things other than sports. And listen, Lululemon is a uh, it's an athletic apparel company, very famous athletic apparel company. So like when the inventory comes in at the end of the month and they trying to account for, it, they don't mention that then, or like they mention that they were. Like two pieces, like say two pairs of pants that were missing. Like, don't they have to like account once a, for everything? Once again, once again, yeah. Like once again, well, no. He, but the boss knows there was a robbery. Yeah, like he I, didn't. He's not mad at the criminal. He's mad at the employees. I, I don't understand that. I can't believe this. Yeah, like, like that is. I, you're right. I'm. I'm looking. Okay, was this like maybe like uh, you know some of those spoof sites like the Onion or yeah. Babylon B or something? <laughs> I'm looking. I'm like, no, this is not. This is a story. I can't believe that. that wow, get- that's crazy. That's crazy. Here's the big story in the world of sports. The Jays send down Alec Manoa to the Florida Base uh, Complex League. Like it, it's out. They're making it. He's down at the Florida Complex League. He's in Dunedin, Florida, because everything sucks with him right now. It's extended spring champ. Spring camp. It's what it is. Like it's exempt. It's yeah, but didn't he go? Did he go to camp? Yeah, he went to camp. But like, because the minor leagues, a lot of their minor leagues, like rookie, I believe, yeah. like low A ball, they don't start this season till like right about oh, now. Okay, anyways. so like, what you're saying is he's joined spring camp with the minor team. Yeah, okay, it's a, okay. Like, I think this is the portion of extended spring camp they call it, where he he's down. I hope a- for his sake that he comes back and can do it because. Uh, listen, it's easy to laugh at people and point fingers and everything. I know he gets paid millions of dollars, but I just hope he can come back. We did get a text about uh, that previous conversation we had, and apparently about the employees getting fired. Yeah. Someone just sent a text and said they tried to chase them down and apprehend the guys stealing. So those two guys are yeah who got fired. Yeah, they apparently tried to chase. I'm from what I'm getting. Yeah, for okay, this. but what, okay, what am I missing here? <laughs> that they actually went into the act of chasing them down. Yeah, but apparently. literally, literally, you're my boss. Your, your stuff is getting stolen. I am making probably just above minimum wage. I am going... He, they, he should give them free clothing for a bunch of years, but he fired them? Maybe that's what he's worried about, oh I guess. Oh, my God. Can, <laughs> listen, uh... Next stop, I want off. I want off of the world. Like, I can't believe this. Uh, what? He, you, Blaine Wyland, are you telling me that that guy tried to steal and you tried to stop him? How dare you? I gave him the open He's door. He's a criminal. You let him go. You're fired. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Playing while, and I'm Michael Ball. 936-6262 is the number to text if you want, and that's also the number to call locally, uh, 936-6262. Our text line's powered by Capital Auto Group, and you can call toll-free, 1-866-767-0620. Let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline and speak to a great cup champion from last year, Theron Churchill of the Edmonton Elks. He didn't win in Edmonton, he won in Toronto, but he's a Regina Ram alumni. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you, Balzi? Doing great, man. Nice to talk. It's been a long time since we chatted. Let's rewind back to the Grey Cup. Just your thoughts on uh, your old stomping grounds. With the, You're an Alberta boy that came to Regina and played for the Rams. That gave you an opportunity to be drafted, and you were part of a Grey Cup championship team here uh, in Regina in the big game. Just talk about that. 
Yeah, it was uh, it was a great to to be able to come back and win a great cup in my old stomping grounds, like you said. Uh, it, it was good to see some old friends um, and some family there uh, during that week, and it was something that I was thinking about kind of all year round, and even as we started the playoffs, thinking that like we had an opportunity to go and play the great cup in in Regina, so uh, it couldn't uh, go any better. Yeah, so uh, talk to me about uh, a guy from Alberta. Uh, you are one, two, three provinces away in the metropolis of Toronto in Ontario. What? How tough is that? How tough was that? Uh, it was. It was all right. Like Toronto, uh, the, the Argonauts itself. They they made the transition easy, uh, just being close uh, enough to the stadium and uh, in downtown Toronto. So the transition was easy. It was good, a good city to experience at the time for a couple of years. And, uh, I've, it was a, it was a great experience overall being in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you're welcome to the CFL moment. Do you have one that, you know, you're like, Oh, I'm in the CFL now. Was it a, a play, a game, anything like that? Uh, I don't know. Like maybe my, kind of my first game dressing there in 2021, uh, you know, we, it was a long wait, being, yeah. uh, especially with COVID, uh, after the draft, taking had to take a year off. I, I think it was the first game back in 2021 where I'm like, "Wow, I, I'm I made it to the CFL and being a part of that atmosphere and and back in the game." Did you ever think at any point about quitting football during that long stretch? Because you know, like fans, fans found other things to do. Uh, I know players found other things to do, and some guys decided not to come back. Did that ever enter your mind, Theron? Not at the time, no, definitely not. Uh, it was just at the time, just waiting it out. I, I spent so long uh, training and and working to get there, like through junior football and and the university at, in Regina. There, it just is something that I had to keep uh, pursuing. Mm-hmm. and had to give it a, a chance even after the long wait. Back to Toronto for a second, and, and I wasn't meaning that uh, you know that the Argos wouldn't treat you well. I get that. But just being like going to Toronto, big smoke, big city, it's very expensive to live there, and you're not making an NFL salary. How challenging was that? And how much did that weigh into your decision to want to come back closer to home? Uh, ne- not necessarily the city itself was re- really a factor, uh, the decision to come home was just uh, more personal than anything. Just being a, a new father now and mm. and uh, playing a couple years in, in Toronto, I just I just felt it was closer time to become become be closer to home. Yeah, so. yeah, uh, and and we're seeing a lot of CFL teams do that, right? Like you see Montreal, they draft a little bit more on the Quebec side. Uh, you know, Ontario teams look for Ontario guys because they know if they draft Saskatchewan or Alberta guys, uh, they might look to go after two or three year windows done and go back closer to home. I think that is a real factor, don't you? You'd, you'd have to agree with that. Oh, I I certainly agree. Um, it, you see the track record itself. A lot of guys end up uh, going home after their rookie deal and. You know, you, when you get drafted, you you don't have a, a choice. You have to. You're going to go where you get drafted to, and you're going to you're going to play there. And I, I was hoping that I could uh, finish up my one more year with Toronto and my rookie deal. But uh, at the end of the day, it, it was a decision that I had to make. Who uh, helped you when you first got into the league? Was there a player or a coach with Toronto? And then I'll transition to talk about your new team. We're going to be facing you this week. But who helped you in Toronto, Theron Churchill? Uh, there was a, a few few offensive linemen there uh, that helped me make the uh, transition easily. Uh, a guy that I got drafted in my year, uh, Dylan Giffen, he he helped just being another rookie, kind of going into it. Uh, kind of, we kind of helped each other. We were roommates. 
But two two big vets probably would be Darius Bladick and Philip Blake, two two ex riders, and Blake's back with the riders too, right? So uh, I had a couple of good uh, veterans on the offensive line in Toronto during my time that that definitely helped make the pro transition a lot easier. You're a perfect guy because you're not a teammate of his anymore and you're going to be actually going against him in terms of it's the Riders versus the Elks, but you're both offensive linemen. But talk a little bit about that because it's for... You know, for me to say, oh, it's a great signing having Philip Blake. He can play all five positions, and he's a great leader. You can speak to that. Talk about his versatility and what he means in a locker room for a for a rough rider offensive line that's trying to tighten things up a bit. Oh, Phil! Phil's a great guy. Yeah, he he did a lot of great things. He's a great player. Played a long time in the league so far. Uh, he was always just an easy, easy guy to talk to about uh, life, football, making that transition. You know, if you're struggling with with some football stuff. He, he was always a the go-to guy, and it's always good to see these kind of guys still playing in the league, and you can see them after the games, whether you're playing against them or playing with them. Uh, there's some good guys in the league. Yeah. Sure, like that. So talk about Edmonton. How do you like being home and being in that organization? How's the transition been, Theron? Uh, it's been it's been great. You know, I didn't uh, – we, we made a deal – uh, the night before training camp, so I wasn't able to make uh, or I wasn't able to miss any training camp. So uh, you know, being home every night that was that was a big thing for me. So and the transition, learning how uh, Chris Jones uh, does his things, it's it's great. Uh, it's it's been a really smooth so far. And people say Chris Jones is a is a players coach. Like he he loves his players. What have you What have you found in your short time in Edmonton working under and for Chris Jones? Well, I would say that's true so far. Yeah, he's a he's a players coach. He really takes care of his players. But yeah, he, at the same time, you know, when it when it's time to work, it's time to work. But he'll take care of you and respect you in the, in the same way. Theron, any per, any pressure on the team? Uh, it's guaranteed win day. That first game, they haven't won there in home turf in two years. Not your problem in terms of that's not your baggage. But you're on the team now. They're, they're guaranteed uh, tickets to fans if they uh, if if they don't win, they keep uh, having those same seats. Is is any of that been talked about in the locker room? Any pressure to win this first game? I think it's the biggest first game, at least from a rider standpoint, in probably at least eight ten years, in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing so far throughout training camp is you know we gotta get a home win. Uh, we didn't we didn't talk about Saskatchewan at all. Your 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 main focus, as as Chris Jones even said it too, your main focus is just getting your roster, getting through training camp healthy. Uh, he didn't he didn't want to talk about Saskatchewan, uh, but the only thing that we've really talked about is that we need to get this home win and get a get a good start off. The season. Talk about a couple of those weapons. You're blocking for Taylor Cornelius. What have you uh, seen from him so far that you like? Uh, he's good. He's uh, he's got a lot of potential. I didn't get a lot of time to to watch him through through last year because uh, they were kind of going through Taylor Cornelius, Cornelius and uh, Trey Ford. So mm-hmm. uh, I think he has a lot of a lot of good things uh, and a lot of potential is going his way. Yep. So hopefully he's uh, able to live up to that and. I'm yeah. sure he will. How about that? Uh, how, quarterback. how about that Canadian gunslinger Trey Ford you mentioned? He's an athlete that plays quarterback. Absolutely, he's uh, he's fun to watch. Uh, I'm excited to be able to see it uh, closer this time around. And of course, you got a, a good backfield led by Kevin Brown. Uh, you know, I, I really like what Edmonton did there, adding him. Just talk about the dynamic backfield that you guys have too. Oh, he, he's good too. He's gonna he's an electric player. He'll he, he can change the game. 
with with his his speed and uh, playing style for sure. And we have a running back duo too with uh, Shannon Brooks, I believe. And uh, Kevin Brown's a good guy to have on the on the field on your side. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and um, a couple more quick questions for you. It's kind of neat. Theron Churchill's in the league. Jackson Ford's in the league. Tanner Schmeckel's in the league. Anthony Bennett's in the league. Jorgen Hughes, old time Ram in the league. You got Mitch Pickton, Ryder Varga, and Mark Mueller. Quite a contingent there. Eight of you, if my math serves me correct. Uh, do you guys uh, check in with each other? At least you with some of your former teammates. Yeah, I was able to see uh, Anthony Bennett and uh, Schmeckel there after our yeah. game here in the in the preseason, and it, it's really good to see a lot of these Rams uh, making it to the pros and uh, having so many of them right now. It's a really good program to come from. Yeah, just elaborate on that for me. How much did the Rams program mean to you? How much do you have? Uh, you know, how much do you have to um, homage? Do you have to pay towards that program helping you out get to where you are? Oh, a lot. Like, I, I didn't know uh, what my future kind of looked like going into the Rams program. Obviously, I uh, escalated a little bit by jumping a level from junior to university. But going into my first year, I, I still didn't know where my career was going to go with football and trying to get an education as well. Uh, but by year two, year three, it really started to, to rise up uh, in the uh, in the fact that uh, pro football could still be a possibility and uh, the coaching and, and the program itself just really helped me uh, make that uh, re- a reality. Theron, help me out. Your your wife's name and what's the baby's name? Uh, my fiance's name is Haley uh, and my son's is Co- name is Cohen. That's awesome. Who picked the name, you or, or Haley? Uh she added it to the list first, but it was uh, obviously mutual. <laughs> once the <laughs> that's awesome. When's the we- hey? I have to ask. When's the wedding? Have you planned that, or you just got the kid? And now you're concentrating on the season. Uh, we're planning it so far. We have a date for uh, September 20, 2024. Okay, awesome. And lastly, here, man, uh, what kind of contingent are you going to have at the uh, home opener here on Sunday when your Elks take on the Rough Riders? Uh, what do you mean? Like family, like who's going to be there? Like, are you, you going to have a big contingent of uh, of uh, Churchills or your uh, fiance side watching the game? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we have a section, you know, where the, I've got people asking about tickets and then making sure that they can be in attendance for the first game. Uh, so, uh, being closer to home will mean uh, a lot of family and friend support. There's you, and then Dalkies always have their section there. Uh, the rider's safety always, uh, the Edmonton boy, Luduk, uh, he always has his section there, so that'll be fun. Nice little storyline there. Well, Theron, best of luck uh, in Edmonton, except for when you play us. I gotta say that, but uh, I'm cheering for you otherwise, okay? Thanks, Baldy. Take care. That's Theron Churchill, former Regina Ram, outstanding offensive lineman. For the um, Edmonton Elks. Uh, when we come back, we'll uh, chop up some more sports and uh, hope to catch up with Brian Raymond, too. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Well, Zinger's gone. He'll be back tomorrow, but I don't have Brian Raymond's number, and nobody's getting back to me. So I'm just going to uh, chat about Flowing Springs Golf, man. You can check out everything there is to know at flowingspringsgolf.com. The number to call if you want to book a tee time, 543-5050, and uh, should be outstanding. Uh, It's probably greening up out there. I have not been uh, out there, but I plan to. Add all green fees. 
18 holes, 55 bucks. Nine holes, 41. Seniors, Monday to Thursday, 18 holes, $45. Youth, 17 and under, $29. Twilight prices after 3 p.m., $35. After 6 p.m., $19. And that is to walk the golf course. So if you have any other... Uh, Things you want to discuss with them, Brian Raymond and the gang, call 543-5050. Or you can always go to their website, like I said, I said flowingspringsgolf.com. All right. Uh, did you see a Bedard on uh, the TNT broadcast yesterday? <laughs> the two good players and the oh, that, that, was, that. that was hilarious. The I one got, that's a good I got to find this one up here. I got to find this because it is, uh, it is classic here. So make sure you have my computer ready to go here. I'm going to find this here. Um, He's really opening up, which I love. Uh, you yeah. know, he's uh, coming into his own. Um, you know, he's only 17 or 16, 17. He'll be 18 in July. 18 but yeah. in July. Yeah, absolutely. So um, hold on here. I got to find this. I apologize for the delay. <laughs> but this is, this is I, I need to let him uh, say it instead of me. It, it kind of it surprised me a little bit that he was like that quick witted and, uh, you know, had a little bit of humor to it, which he, I like to see, though. But uh, here we go. I think this is it right here. Give me a second. Put up. Can you put up my audio there? Make sure you get the right one up there. Okay, here we go. This is Connor Bedard. He's on set with uh, Anson Carter, Hendrick Lundquist, who, by the way, looks like an absolute million bucks. Oh, yeah. What oh, a yeah. stud. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bissonette, Paul Bissonette, who is way more popular as an analyst than he ever was as a hockey player, like a ham and egger. Like, I, I personally don't get his popularity, but whatever. And Wayne Gretzky sitting right next to him. Okay, the greatest of all time. Here is what uh, Connor Bedard says. If you can get it ready to go there, here we go. All right, you're 17 years old. You're in Vegas. The Stanley Cup's here, and you're sitting next to Wayne Gretzky. Are, are you getting used to this being the new normal for you? Uh, oh, I mean, it's pretty crazy. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm super grateful. Like, the NHL doing this is, is incredible for, you know, me and the other other three prospects to come. And, you know, I'll see a couple pretty good players on this panel. And, and Biz is here, too. So. <laughs> oh, here you go. Oh, some more clicks. Okay, okay. He's already throwing shots at me, all right? And Biz is here too. That's the best. Yep. Uh, uh, you know what? He's going to go first overall. He's going to go to the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, uh, the spotlight has followed this guy around, and we've had his dad on before. Is, is Tom and Melanie or his parents? If I'm not mistaken, is that his mom? His mom, Melanie, too. Yeah. And and Tom's been on here. Like his family's done a great job of raising this guy and and raising him the right way. And he is just carrying himself with class. But I mean, two point five million. Uh, dollars in ticket sales and memorabilia in the first hour after they won the draft lottery. Yeah. So crazy. Hey, there was a trade in the NHL that we need to bring up, to be quite honest with you. And um, I will tell you that it's it's quite a book. So let's let's go into this. <laughs> the, yeah. three, the three-way trade. Yes. It's a three-way trade. Get so, out your pen and paper so for this Ivan one. So Ivan Provorov is the former Brandon Wheat King yep. who, with Philadelphia, did not want to... Uh, Take part in the pride yeah. ceremony. Yeah. So, and his coach had his his coach. Sorry, his coach. Can you put them? His coach had his back, and um, and the season played out. But he has been dealt now. The Flyers sent Provorov and forward Hayden Hodgson to the Kings in exchange for goalie Cal Peterson, defenseman Sean Walker, defenseman uh, Helgi Granz, and the Kings' 2024 second rounder. The Blue Jackets acquired defenseman Kevin Connaughton from Philadelphia in exchange for a 2023 first-round pick, a conditional second rounder, neither 2024 or 25. The Kings then flipped uh, flip Provorov to the Blue Jackets in exchange for Connaughton. So, Peterson... 
goes, the goaltender goes from L.A. to Philadelphia. That's the big name for that way. Proveroff goes to Columbus, and then Connaughton's the other guy that got flipped. Yeah, and a bunch of picks. Here's my thing, and this has been talked about. Apparently the Flyers are in discussions to move Carter Hart. I'm going to throw this out here. The Oilers can't get rid of Jack Campbell. Okay, they can't get rid of Jack Campbell. Is Carter Hart better than Stuart Skinner? And should the Oilers... Because Stuart Skinner, you can laugh all you want about Stuart Skinner. He was a legitimate Rookie of the Year candidate and could win it. The only reason he won't win it is because we're human and we see what he did in the playoffs, even they say, even though they say the playoffs don't count. And because there's going to be Connor McDavid fatigue, we can't give the Oilers the Rookie of the Year because McDavid's going to clean everything else up. So they'll probably give it to the dude in uh, veneers in Seattle or something like that. But back to my question, is Stuart Skinner, would you keep him or would you try to make a trade if you could, make it work, uh, and get Carter Hart in there? You're not moving Campbell, no. I get it. Um, I would make the deal, like, I would take the upgrade of Carter Hart over Stuart Skinner, but I'm not sure if that's the right move or the right avenue the Oilers should pursue this offseason in terms of upgrading themselves. I think it's got to be, like, third-line center. Uh, Some more work on the back end. I'm not sure. Mm. I think they're stuck with... I think Skinner's good enough to win. Grant Fear sucked in his first playoffs, and... uh, and and he ended up having a pretty good career. I don't think Skinner. I don't know if Skinner will have a Hall of Fame career, but he's 24 years old. I I agree with you. And I don't know if Carter Hart could be. I don't say he's washed, but he's he hasn't been good lately in Philadelphia. No, it seems like he needs a change of scenery. And it just yeah, like you kind of said with Stuart Skinner, it's just I don't think they're stuck with that tandem. But the problem is, is not so much Skinner. I think Campbell's the problem with that tandem. And even though he kind of came into the playoffs and had some usefulness, you know, coming in relief, I think that's they're just going to have to roll with those two. If they would pursue, yeah, they would have to go through Skinner, and they would have to toss in, I think, some incentive as well. Going well, they got the to dump. Way. They got to dump Yamamoto, and if they could ever get rid of uh, Cody Cece and do an upgrade there, but I don't know that they will. They got. They're going to have to do something. They're going to have to do some moves, but I'm not sure if it's going to be behind the net. I'd be surprised if they. Go with a different tandem, to be honest. Interesting combo. Ivan Provorov with Mike Babcock is going to be taken over in Columbus. That'll be an interesting one. Quite the heel moves there. Yeah, for sure. That is a good way. It's almost like wrestling there. We're going to take a break. When we come back on the other side of 5 o'clock news, the voice of the Edmonton Elks, Morley Scott and Don Hewitt will join us too. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And away we go into the final hour of the Sports Cage. Uh, Michael Ball along with Blaine Wyland. Uh, the number to call if you want to talk some sports, 936-6262. In town, toll free, out of town, 1-866-767-0620. And uh, the number to... Um, text for the Capital Auto Group is that 936-6262 number. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. And our show is sponsored on Tuesdays by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. The outstanding voice of the Edmonton Elks is Morley Scotty. joins me on the Western Pizza Hotline. Welcome to the show. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, Michael, anytime. Hey, I heard the tickets, uh, the interest in terms of ticket sales, maybe not Luke Combs-like, but uh, they, they, they're going kind of brisk for for Edmonton Elks football. 
Yeah, they are. That's that's the word we hear. The ticket sales are going well. I'm sure helped out by a few people from across the border who will be uh, driving into Alberta for the game uh, on Sunday. But yeah, uh, ticket sales are going well. The Elks have really worked hard to push ticket sales, especially for uh, week one. They had the, the, the guaranteed win ticket, which is out there. They've had all sorts of... Uh, 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 advertising campaigns. They've worked hard to try and get some butts back in the seats for uh, game one to get hopefully everybody excited about a 2023 season with the Edmonton Elks. I don't know about you. That team is steeped in history. I still think of the Eskimos football team and all the great... We just I just dreaded coming to Edmonton because it was like a guaranteed loss night for the Riders. Last, you know, we've been a pretty good team. You guys have struggled. Uh, well, last year wasn't a great year, but we still won in there. You guys have struggled on home turf, but for me, I'm, I'm rocking my brain. This is the most important season opening game for the Rough Riders, I believe, in the last decade. Where would it rank in terms for Edmonton? Uh, absolutely the same, if, if not even bigger. Maybe it's the biggest home opener in franchise history uh, when you think about what's gone on here uh, the last two or three years. I know we were uh, we had uh, uh, President Victor Cui on our morning show, and that's what he termed it as, as one of the biggest ever for this franchise because of what they're trying to, to, to build. I mean, the Elks got hit with the perfect storm um, over the last couple of years. I mean, uh, first off, uh, they had the name change, which uh, a lot of people liked and a lot of people didn't like. Uh, then they had the COVID year that hit and all the new COVID regulations that came in that fans weren't very happy about. And then combine that with two straight years of losing every game at home. It's it's the, the perfect storm in a bad way for the Elks. And that's why we saw attendance drop, I think, so much in the, in the latter parts of last season. And, and I think that's why the Elks have had to work so hard to try and win people back. And they've done what they can off the field. Uh, hey, Michael, you've been around long enough to know, like I do, uh, winning cures almost everything, and that's that's why this game is going to be so important for the Elks. Because if they if they if they get a win, then everybody's happy, and they talk about oh how the team's going to be better and things are looking up. If they get a loss, it's just going to be everyone's going to be going oh here we go again, another season where they can't win at home. We, so uh, I think it's a, a very important year, both on the field and off the field, for the Edmonton Elks. We know we know what's on the line here in Rider Nation after a six and twelve year. Uh, I don't need to spell it out fans know it you know it because you're uh, an astute broadcaster but what kind of heat is chris jones under here to get things uh on you know usually with jones you tear it down you get a little better and then that third year you start to make some waves so we he'd be right on track with his past uh you know past history but how much pressure is he under Uh, He's under a little bit, but honestly, I don't think a ton of pressure uh, because he came in last year and and no one expected anything last year. I mean, he just came in to clean up the mess. He came in to try and and fix the problems the team had and try and get things in order. And then uh, he had this offseason to do his scouting and sign his players and then come back to camp this year. At the annual general meeting, which was held uh, middle of last month by the Elks, uh, the outgoing uh, uh, chairman of the board said uh, that was exact same thing. He said we didn't expect anything last year, but this year we expect a competitive team to challenge for a playoff spot and possibly even more than that. Uh, in year three of Chris Jones's tenure, he'll be under a lot of pressure come year three, which would be uh, 2024. So uh, I, I think there uh, everybody knows what the situation is. I mean, Jones last year, we know about the players he brought in and the players that came in and, and left and came on a Tuesday and left on a Thursday or came in on a mm-hmm. Wednesday, played a game on a Friday and got released on a Sunday. Uh, we saw all that, and it was all part of what he was doing, trying to find 
the right players, the right mix. He picked out his core players last year, and he built around them this offseason and went out in free agency and added where he thought the team needed to improve. So uh, through training camp and the preseason, it all starts and ends with the quarterbacks. I don't know you know, how much you've seen in preseason of the guys, but what have you seen in camp from Mr. Cornelius, Trey Ford, that gives you confidence? Uh, Cornelius, by all reports, and everybody who keeps track of everything in, in, in the Elks coaching staff, they keep raving about the camp he has had. They, uh, they track everything. They track every throw. They track every possession in training camp, and they say he's had a really strong camp. Uh, he came out. Uh, he played uh, only part of one game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, and it was against the Bombers, pretty much their starting defense for the most part, minus Jeff Coat and, and Big Hill, but pretty much the starting defense uh, for the Bombers. He went six for nine uh, for uh, 53 yards, engineered some points. So, uh, it, it you know, it wasn't fantastic, but he, he was steady and he got his work done uh, and had has had a good training camp so far. Uh, where does Trey Ford's had a real good camp and then kind of tailed off maybe the last little while, but he put up some big numbers in the game. So he went eight for nine for 48 yards against Winnipeg. I think the guy everybody was, was really pleased with uh, uh, was Kai Loxley, who uh, was a receiver last year in the third quarterback and did short yardage. He got the majority of the work in both games. He was 15 of 22 in both games uh, for 158 yards against Calgary and 183 yards against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, a touchdown in each game as well. So he had a really good uh, preseason. The other guys have had good solid camps, and uh, we'll move on from there. Taylor Cornelius is the starter when uh, when things get get rolling on Sunday afternoon. It's uh, It's been his job since he came to training camp, and it'll be uh, his job to keep as he moves into the regular season. Is there an area uh, that you're looking uh, at in particular in this game that uh you know, that the rider, like I look at this secondary, you got a couple of veterans there in Luches, Purifoy, and Ed Ganey, and then you got some newbies in the secondary. That, that could be an interesting matchup with a veteran quarterback, some veteran receivers against a couple of a green players, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. There's three rookies are going to be starting in the in the defensive backfield. It looks like uh, uh, Dwayne Thompson, uh, Darius Braden, and Kai Gray all starting uh, in the defensive backfield. You mentioned the vets there. Uh, Purifoy and Ganey will be back as well. So uh, that will be, I'm sure, an area that teams will test, especially early in the season. The other area that probably concerns Elks fans a little bit is their kicking game. Uh, mm-hmm. They uh, had some financial issues salary cap-wise and ended up uh, making a move at, at the kicker spot, releasing Sergio Castillo. And they're going with two pretty raw rookies in their kicking game, and that's uh, uh, Dean Faithful, who's a 36-year-old playing in his first year. He was drafted in the in the global draft second overall by the Elks. Uh, he played college soccer in Florida, played one year of college football at uh, at Pueblo uh, University of Colorado at Pueblo, uh, and is going into his first year as a field goal kicker. He's got a great leg, but he's a rookie, so uh, you know you got to wait and see how he reacts under pressure. And then their punter is going to be Jake Julian, who they just signed on Saturday. Went through training camp with the Ottawa Red Blacks, was released on Saturday and signed about an hour and a half later by the Elks, and he's come in and right away taken a spot on the roster as the punter. So that's probably, for me, the two areas of, of concern, the defensive backfield and the kicking game, because it's just full of rookies right now. Morley Scott joining us here, outstanding voice of the Edmonton Elks on 630. Chad, hey, so we had Darren Churchill, the Regina Ram on, came over from the Argos in a trade Alberta boy. Uh where does he fit in here? How have you, you know, what are you hearing about how he's done at training camp? 
Uh, he's had a good camp once he kind of got acclimated and everything, but uh, he's not in the starting five right now. He'll be he'll be a sixth guy or a seventh guy mm-hmm. uh, as far as the offensive line goes. But uh, yeah, I know we've talked to him a little bit. He's uh, we've talked to him a little bit, and he's he's happy to be here and, and happy to be a part of uh, of Edmonton. You know, being an Alberta boy as well. I think Stetler is where he's yep. from. I think he's pretty yep. happy to be back in Alberta and and playing in his home province again. So uh, yeah, he, I, I think uh, the Elks don't have big plans for him right now, but he's a young guy and i think they, they plan to work him in at some point and they added swerve more guy we know kyron moore uh, what can you tell us about kyron moore and edmonton elk colors uh he's gonna be uh he's gonna be the returner and and i like i was talking to him about this yesterday he's different there's a, there's a lot of returners out there michael and you probably talked to him like i have over the years yeah. who use the return game to get into the offense right they'll return for now until they can get a chance to play receiver right or running back whatever the case may be it's not the case for for uh Kyron moore he he wants to be a returner he wants the ball he wants to return the ball and he wants to be that guy in that position so he's going to have that job for the elks and i think it's going to end up he's going to split time i think uh, uh on the offense with uh, him and, and manny fernandez uh who will uh, who will play as, as maybe that's fifth receiver uh, mm. for the outs, who could go with five Americans at the receiving spot. Uh, they got Vincent uh, forbes Blue and Gavin Cobb, who have really battled it out for the Canadian spot. But there, I think I wouldn't be surprised if there will be times in the season where the Elks will go with five American receivers because they're going with four uh, Canadians on the D, on the O line, so I think they've set themselves up so they can get all five of their American receivers onto the field at once if they need them and want them. Morley Scott, look at the standings here. Let's go with your prediction for the West. Uh, how do you see it one through five? How do you see it shaking? I, I think this is the year Calgary drops off a bit. Oh, how many times have you said that, Michael? I mean, we've I all know. been saying that for I 10 know. years, haven't we? I know. Like, this I know. is the year. This is the year, and it never happens. But I'm, I'm kind of with you. They, 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 they always lose guys and sign guys and are able to plug and play. But I think this year they lost a, a few more guys who were – are more more important to their to their to the way they operate. So I think they are going to drop a little bit. Winnipeg's Winnipeg, right? Yeah, you're going to yeah. be the man. You got to beat the man. And until someone knocks them off, uh, they're going to be my pick for first place. And uh, quite honestly, I don't I, I don't know what the riders are going to be like. I think you know, because they made so many changes and there's there's some issues there. There's you know you got lots of talk about the coach and the GM uh, on, as Lane Ducks on the last year of their contracts and everything. Uh, and and you don't know how it's how it's going to work out there with the changes. Uh, Edmonton, so many new faces, so many rookies. You don't know how that's going to work out. I honestly believe that it's just going to be a mess after Winnipeg. I think anybody can finish anywhere. I think I, I think BC is going to drop. They're not going to win as many. They won twelve last year, right? I don't think yeah. they'll win twelve games last year. They lost. They lost four of their best players, right? You yeah. can't. You can't take four of your best players out of your lineup, including your very best player at quarterback, and not have a drop off. So I think they're going to have a bit of a drop off, and I think that's going to open the door. I think the Elks will be better. Calgary's going to be about where they were. Saskatchewan will probably be a little bit better. The Elks will be better, and I. It's all. It's honestly. It's. It, I think it's impossible to predict the West Division I, in, uh, correctly this year, and, that, it's and, that, and that's so why I open. say that. This first game is so critical. We, we, you highlighted it, but you, I think we play you guys three times this year to to yeah. set the tone early. If you're it, it, for both these teams, if uh, if you're the Riders and you lose, maybe a little bit of oh oh seeps in. And if you're the Elks and you lose, it's like, are we ever going to win here? Yeah, that's it. It is a big game. I think it's uh, you know uh, there's my probably my uh, my green and gold colored glasses. But I think it's a bigger game for the Elks because of their situation. The Riders still have lots of time to recover. They were uh, you know a better team last year. They 
you know, they're starting on the road. I think because it's a home game for Edmonton and the situation around that home losing streak, I think it's a more important game for Edmonton. But, uh, you know, it's they always say, right, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I, I think it's just going to be a, a, a big sprint this year, 18-game sprint to the finish line because it's going to be – I really believe it's going to be really close in the CFL West. I agree 100%. Thanks for your time, Morley. Appreciate it. We'll see you on the weekend. All right, Bossy, look forward to it. Take care. That's Morley Scott joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll come back and uh, chop it up some more. We got our one to watch for Specs by Ryan. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, well, I didn't get into this, but we need to get into this. Um, there's going to be. Um, a merger, I guess, between the PGA and Live. Yep. So the Saudi-backed Live and PGA are going to come together, and I'm not sure what comes next. We don't have a lot of details about that, but still plenty of questions left unanswered. But uh, uh, a two-year kind of back and forth is looks like they're going to combine things, right? Did you read a little more about this? I've been busy with riders and other stuff. Today. I'm just trying to read as much. Like basic, what I got is like the Saudis, uh, like the governor from the Saudi. Group, yeah, is going to get a seat on the board of directors with the tour. Okay, and so I know that part of it. Um, trying to think for the tour, like it's the PGA Tour will primarily receive a huge investment from Saudi's public investment fund and create its own for-profit entity to preside over the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and Live Golf. Immediately becomes the golf news of the decade. So, and the, there's a merger there. The golf players, a lot of them, have found out through Twitter this morning. Like uh, they didn't like. Uh, I believe one of the news outlets had an embargoed agreement that they leaked a little early. Yeah. So a lot of the players found out on Twitter this morning, and it didn't sound like any of them were too happy about it. Well, I'll tell you what, how about the players that left early and got their money? Does that affect them? Like the Dustin Johnsons, the DeChambeaus, the Phil Mickelsons, those kind of players? That's still up in the air about uh, what exactly happens to their status yet, so not too sure about that yet. Like, There's a, there's little... a lot of unanswered questions, yeah. and uh, but it looks like a merger, so uh, it, it really doesn't matter to me, to be honest. Actually, we had Bill Wilms, the former, uh, he's a um, He's in the golf business and he's a Western Hockey League broadcaster. And he said, you know, I, um, I'm in favor of how they do it with the live where they have teams, like, you know, kind of like uh, Formula One and stuff, yeah. where you be on like Team Red Bull yeah. and stuff, yeah. where you have team golf and team competitions instead of, you know, singular competition where you're minus four, minus five, like Blaine's minus four, yeah. I'm minus three. Te- people want to rally behind teams now. So that's kind of where golf's going. I guess it's like kind of, well, then it's like more of a Ryder Cup more year round. Like, yeah, yeah that's like kind of like how the yeah. Ryder Cup is. Yeah. yeah. Except it's more of a year round thing as opposed yeah. to one tournament of a year. Yeah. I got to get out on the course. I, I keep saying it, but I do. And, it, you know, when you have a stressful day, kind of like I did mm. today, I just got to get out. I got to go find the. Uh, well, I don't have golf clubs. I got to get golf <laughs> clubs and then go whack around at at least the driving range and bang off some rust and bang off some stress. See, I don't know if how the golf is the greatest stress reliever for me. Sometimes it is. Not the game, but just hitting it on Just the, hitting it, like yeah. Like going to Flowing Springs on the driving range. And going to the range, yep. Yeah, yeah, okay, I got gotcha. you. No, I suck at golf. <laughs> it would put me in a worse mood, you know? And that's a game where you got to actually... Um, like you got to get lessons, and then if you get lessons, you got to practice. You got to play. That's the only way to get. Yep. It's the oh, only yeah. way to get better. Exactly. I but agree. all the business deals and all the friendships and stuff are done on a golf course, and that probably explains why I don't have many friends, and why I don't get many business deals go my way. Yet I live on a golf course. <laughs> I literally live on a golf course. If I had five bucks for 
Every time Luke or Chad and Evan from the Wolf text me, hey, I'm I'm coming by your house. You got any water? You got any beer? Like, if I had that, I'd be rich. It's crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy. That was my setup in Humboldt I had on the golf course. I'm just thinking, yeah, that's a lot of dollars I wasted. Or yeah. I could have got it. Could have wasted, yeah. Could have wasted. Okay, so uh, our one to watch your specs by Ryan. Don't just get glasses. Get specs. They do great work. Look at my glasses. You see my new glasses? These are one they, pair. The bring out the blue in your eyes, eh? Yeah, they do. That's right. <laughs> but I also have a green pair for, yep. for riders slash North Dakota fighting hawks. And they, they, they tint. Like, they tint when you go outside, so they oh, become yeah. sunglasses. So I'm going to wear those for the game on Sunday in Edmonton. Be in a festive mood and, 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 and get into the mood. Anyway, specs by Ryan, one to watch. We'll be watching tomorrow when the riders take to the practice field. You and I will be watching closely the guard situation. Because Gerald Hawkins... Uh, is not with the team. He's back home, and we don't... O'Day said yesterday, if and when he returns. That's what he yeah. said. So we'll find out if he comes back. Seems like he's dealing with some personal stuff, and uh, hey, man's got to take care of his family. Mm-hmm. It's just a game. So uh, that is our one to watch. We will report from uh, practice tomorrow. They, uh, 12 o'clock, I think they're back yeah. in the practice field. So uh, the tackle spots is what we're interested in against the Chris Jones defense that will show some exotic looks. We got the news, we got a, a sports ticker, and we also have Dandy Don Hewitt. The professor on board. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Let's round the bases. Time for today's Sports Cage Regina Red Sox report on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The Red Sox report brought to you by our good friends over there at the Canadian Brew House. Go check out everything at the Canadian Brew House. They got a great menu. You can watch the Stanley Cup final, the NBA championship, and this week, Week 1 in CFL play, not to mention Toronto Blue Jays baseball. The Regina Red Sox fell on home turf at Curry Field last night, 12-4 to Swift Current. But Easton Romero from Utah had a great game. Two homers, four RBIs. Here he is in conversation with our own Sean Kleisinger. All right, here with Easton Romero from Utah. Easton, obviously, it's not the result that you want, but it's still early in the season. You hit two monster home runs. You must be liking this little short porch in right field here at Curry Field. Yeah, I mean, it fits my approach right. I mean, yeah. I'm just trying to stay middle. They uh, gave me two fastballs in tonight and yeah. turned on them and hit them long ways. Which one, which one fell better off the bat? Number one or number two? I'm going to guess number one. Yeah, probably number one. Yeah, it, Nice little bat flip yeah. with it. And the Red Sox. And that's the Red Sox report for our friends at the Canadian Brew House. Let's get out to the Western Pizza Hotline now. Uh, actually, hit that first there, uh, my friend. Blaine, hit that one there. Yeah. There you Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. All right. Let's get out on the Western Pizza Hotline and talk to the professor, Don Hewitt. Hi, Don. How are you, buddy? Good, Ballsy. Got a ripping show today so far. Yeah, pretty busy, and I'm finishing it off with a great guy and Don Hewitt. So, Huey, um, four quarterbacks for the Riders. Your initial thoughts? Brilliant. Genius. I really did. Uh, they couldn't decide between, uh, you know, Dola Gala and Fine. They knew they were going to use Shea Patterson as the short yardage quarterback. And so, very creative thinking. A lot of football teams wouldn't do it. 
you know, he might have a few more starters on special teams, you know, as a result. But I really liked it, and I liked the fact that what they did with the kickers as well. Mm-hmm. In, 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 in part because Vedbeck kicks the ball off so well. You know, he can kick it farther than Lawther. Mm-hmm. Lawther's a good, you know, a good you know, field goal kicker. And, uh, you know, it, it just looks like... But you're not going to waste. Uh, you're not going to waste three. You're not going to waste three spots on kickers in a game. I think Vedvik, Vedvik is out. He's going to be out this week because he has a minor quad pull. Right. So Korzak will do it. Now Korzak looked good in Winnipeg with the two punts he did get off. They're just going to have to work out that right. holding situation because I'm sure that was the problem on the Lothar field goals. Yeah, and Horshak will get better at that, or they'll they'll get in sync. Well, what it what it does, Ballsy, like you're saying, you don't think they'll use three guys in a in a game that might be possible, but then you've got trade opportunities. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and same with the quarterbacks, you've got trade opportunities. And you might see uh, a quarterback get traded. It's possible. But then at least you've got return. And uh, there may be a market for, for any of the three behind Trevor Harris. I heard Don I, right I, I heard Don Hewitt on the postgame show, because I tune in and I listen to you, okay, Don Hewitt? I heard right. Don Hewitt right. say he hasn't seen a collection of running backs this good in Ryder Nation in a long time, yet they released all of them except for their two guys uh, that were coming into the season in terms of the Americans in uh, Hickson and Morrow. Does that surprise you? Right. Uh, you know, and I stand by what I said. I still stand by the fact it 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 does surprise me, and that goes back to the quarterbacks and and whatnot and what they decided to keep. Uh, I don't think they wanted to say goodbye to all those three running backs. Uh, I still think they're the, the you know I've never seen five good running backs like that at Ryder Cup. I don't think they wanted to. It was just what was the lesser of of two evils or the lesser of three evils, and they had to make some tough calls. I was not surprised at all of, you know, Kagan LaFrance lost his job. I mean, they made a good draft pick there. Uh-huh. Uh, my my concern right now, Ballsy, is uh, you know, as you and Luke head to Edmonton in a few days, is you know, what's going on uh, with now three very strong offensive tackles disappearing. Uh, Putassi looked like the best tackle that they signed, and you looked at him and how well he did in the NFL. He was, a, he was decent, I guess you could say, as a tackle in the NFL. Well, he's he's going to have left offensive tackle lock. Then they've got Tucker. Well, he's the next man. He's going to have left offensive tackle lock, perhaps. He goes down with a knee. And now you've got Hawkins, Gerald Hawkins, uh, with personal problems. And that that is concerning. And then, you know, then you get a little bit of a diamond in the rough when all of a sudden, out of the blue, they sign... Colin Kelly, which I think is huge, just a huge signing. But now, what are they going to do? Are they going to have Kelly Lofton starting a tackle, or are they going to go with Evan Johnson at guard and move Blake to tackle? Well, what do you think they're going to do? I don't know. I'm going to uh, te- check out on a practice tomorrow and see. You should be able to gauge what's going to be going on over the next couple of days. It is. It is concerning. Uh, for sure, because let's be honest, I don't think it was so much the interior of the offensive line that was the problem last year. It was the tackles and the depth of drop from the quarterback, uh, the you know that type of thing. Uh, so I, I I am interested well, in that. It's very good. That's a very good point. And I was concerned with Hawkins too, in the sense that he didn't play in preseason 
game one or two, so it would be an uphill battle to be in your first CFL game, a totally different game, totally uh, you know different than training camp, and it's your first game as a first regular season game. Well, I went on record on the, the pre and post game shows as saying that they they have to be heavier inside, and that I I feel if the offensive line is going to be better, uh, they have to play Philip Blake at left guard with Furland at right guard, Gobber center. That's where I think they can have a, a good offensive line with two good American tackles. If they don't do that, if they can't do that, I don't think they're going to be as good because they need to be still heavier. And I am not uh, heavier on those three interior offensive linemen. And if they're not heavier, I, I'm, you know, I'm concerned. I'll, that, so that's where I'm coming from. And, and yes, the tackles were, were well, they were terrible last year. They're absolutely terrible. They do such a good job of recruiting tackles, a fabulous job, a tremendous job, a 10 out of 10. Now they've lost probably the three best tackles they recruited. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't even know if Hawkins is going to come back. Yeah, it's kind of an if and yeah, it's kind of an if and when thing. Now, I do think a quarterback, even though he's not mobile like Cody, Cody had the mobility, although that was strained last year with the knee injury, um, and took away a big chunk of his game. In fairness to Cody, uh, Trevor Harris is a guy that uh, can help the offensive line out by being yeah. tall in the pocket, kind of like a. Like a Ricky Ray or like one of my favorites in the NFL, a Philip Rivers. Although he looks better throwing right. the ball than Rivers. But Rivers could climb the pocket. Rivers beat you with his IQ. And I do think that Trevor Harris can do that. And I'm looking forward to this game on yeah. Sunday because Edmonton is starting three rookies in the secondary. Right. Now, it's interesting you mentioned the word IQ. Uh, Trevor Harris can also help the offensive line strategically in the IQ sort of way, uh, you know, and you and I were talking off mic some time ago, Trevor Harris can call audibles for the offensive line. He can help the offensive line because he recognizes defensive fronts better than Cody did. There's no question about that. And they're going to get more guidance, the O-line, from their quarterback than what they've had before. Well, I'll Let tell you. Alone. I'll tell you right now, Don. You raise a very good point. You raise a very good point. Sorry for cutting you off. I interviewed Logan Furlan. Oh. That's the one quote from anybody on offense that stuck out to me. I asked him what it's like with Trevor Harris. He said he's a pro's pro, and something happened today that's never happened to me before. He helped the offensive line changing protections, and I've never experienced that uh-huh. before. That's what Logan Furland said on the air with me. That's a telling statement. That tells me that oh. that guy's like a coach on the field, and he can help them get out of a jam. And if he can get the ball away quick like he does... You know, and Kelly Jeffrey calls the offense like he has. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm okay. I think they can uh, stem the tide a little bit here. Hopefully. Well, you know, we we thought pretty confidently about the Kelly Jeffrey hire. I think. Yes. I know you you thought pretty confidently about it. I did. I know. I believe Luke did too. And he's he's proving it already uh, with just the way all the quarterbacks played in the preseason and he's only going with a very vanilla package. We haven't even seen what Kelly Jeffrey's going to do. And that's another point about this upcoming game in Edmonton with Chris Jones, still the defensive coordinator, calling the defensive signals. Kelly Jeffrey is going to be throwing some things at him 
that nobody else has seen yet because it's the first game and that Chris Jones won't have seen. Now, in a couple of games, you know, the defensive coordinators will get what Kelly's doing, and, and you know, on video, and they'll start studying and they'll start learning. But this first game, I think Chris Jones uh, might have his hands full figuring out what Kelly Jeffrey d- is doing. It's going to be a very interesting matchup there, coach on coach. That's uh, that's one to watch for sure. This is the Professor Don Hewitt joining me here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, as far as the defense goes, it's it, you know um, I don't know if Micah Johnson plays or not because we haven't seen him much in training camp. Um, Derek Moncrief won't play in a week one. Let's be honest, unless something right. something happens. Yes, a miracle water and comes out of practice yesterday. I'm thinking probably more like a week three. That's just my prediction based on nothing that yeah. I've heard or anything. Um, but you know, you got if if you can get some good play from Christmas and Brown in the middle, and it looks like you can. Although I know we weren't against ones, Lanier can be a matchup nightmare on the outside, along with um, uh, Robertson, and then Brian Cox Jr. has been a revelation. I, I like our defense. It's just the it's just the linebacking core that's kind of a question mark in terms of depth. All but right. Otherwise, I like it. How about you? Well, they're going to be heavier. I think on the defensive front, I think they really want to stop the run. And there are times, you know, when Pete Robertson and Cox Jr. can play end and Lanier can flip inside, too, if you want to give Christmas or Brown a blow. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I really think they want to stack it up against the run. I mean, you know, Edmonton's got Kevin Brown, and they've got also an exciting rookie that they're high on Mm -hmm. as running backs. And I think... uh, you know, they want to stop them and force Cornelius to pass. And they just might do it because they are heavier, that's for sure. As far as the linebacking is concerned, you keep your fingers crossed that C.J. Revis can do it. You know tights can. There's no question about it. Uh, Herdman Reed was absolutely sensational, I thought, in the first exhibition game. I believe he led the team with tackles. He didn't play in Winnipeg. Well, he didn't have to. Uh, they're going to try out A.J. Allen anyway, but, you know, he looks like he, he could come in to that will spot if something happened to tights, and I sure hope it won't happen to tights because he's such a good player. I still think two years ago they could have certainly won the Western Final in Winnipeg had mm-hmm. tights been playing. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, That's how much he means for their run defense. Lastly, Don Hewitt, about a minute or so, I have billed this okay. as the biggest opening game season opening game for the Rough Riders in the last 10 years like I think of 2013 because we were hosting the Grey Cup and we were coming out of a 2012 year where we could have beat Calgary it was the second year of Chamberlain and before that I would say it would probably be the 2010 home opener on July the 1st after the 13th Uh man game when the Riders played the Alouettes in that awesome game at Old Taylor Field. I can't think of another, you know, a bigger game than this one for both teams. There's lots on the line for Edmonton and Saskatchewan. No, I heard you say that at the start of your show, and I agreed with you totally as I was munching my burger through a (laughs) drive-thru. And, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. It's just as big for Edmonton. Uh, What have they got? 17 straight home losses, I believe, going into uh, Sunday. They haven't won won since Wilkinson was in his third year, for gosh sakes. (laughs) (laughs) And it's huge for Saskatchewan. That's why I think winning the two preseason games was actually some good tonic for the Rough Riders to get that winning feeling in their dressing room. And it was more important than maybe some people might think, although Trevor Harris was right. I mean, they don't 
count much as to what's going to happen. But I think after all those losses in a row that Saskatchewan had last season and to end a dismal campaign, I think it was good they went 2-0. and all. But uh, this is, to me, um, I know we're a little biased, obviously, but this is the game of the week in the CFL, uh, I believe. it's It'll be the most watched, as you also said earlier in your show, mm-hmm. on, on TSN and listened to with yourself and CKRM. But it's such a mammoth game for both teams. I mean, it's a guaranteed win night uh, with the Alex, and we all want to see, you know, Chris Jones with pie in his face. You know, we really do. Mm-hmm. To, just to see Chris Jones' look in his face if he goes down will be it'll be worth I don't know, a lot. Don, thanks for your Enjoy. time. Can't, can't wait to hear you on the pre- and the post-game show on Sunday. Thanks for your time, Don. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll be listening to you on Sunday, Ballsy. Thank you. That's the great Don Hewitt, the professor. When we come back, we'll wrap the show up with Bill Shea of The Athletic here on the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on this Tuesday on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Athletics Bill Shays rejoining the show after a little uh, break, but we're glad to have you back on. Uh, are you intrigued by these NBA finals? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's it's one of the the gem events in you know American professional sports. So it's uh, it's always one that people tune in for. And somebody like me that writes about TV viewership, it is definitely interesting. So I am interested in that. So far, uh, through a couple of games, what have we seen, or can you get that data yet? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually doing a lot better, I think, than a lot of people thought. You know, Miami's got Jimmy Butler and, and some talent, but, you know, they were an eight seed. Denver obviously has a two-time MVP on the roster, and this is their first finals, and it's a relatively small market team. So there was some hand-wringing about, you know, how is this going to do compared to a theoretical, you know, Celtic Lakers meeting for the 13th time in the finals. Um, and obviously those are our big markets. But, you know, we're, we're still looking at, uh, you know, $11 million plus for, for Game 1, and Game Two's numbers just came out and matched Game 2 last year, you know, when it was uh, the Golden State Warriors, a huge TV draw, and Boston, which obviously is one of the bedrock franchises of the, of the NBA. So I, I think that's better than a lot of people expected. And, you know, Miami pulling off the upset at Denver certainly helps and sets up a longer series. The Miami Heat and Denver Nuggets, two interesting, almost mirror franchises. You had a nice little uh, dive into it uh, on uh, on or in the Athletic, and I follow you on Twitter. Just talk a bit about uh, some of the the comparisons. First off, Miami's the newer franchise, right? Yeah, I mean Miami's only been around since '88. Um, Denver goes back to 1967, back when they were in the ABA and they were the Denver Rockets, way back in the in the day um so you know they've got about 20 years on on the heat yeah and and that is evident in social media right twitter followers instagram followers facebook followers quite decisive in favor of the heat yeah if you just look at at facebook alone you know miami has over 14 million people who actually follow the team on that platform denver it's 2.1 million um you know, it's it's a very stark difference, and you know, and part of that stems from you know the Heat's won some championships, and and for a while had that LeBron James led team 
that you know made it to four finals and, and won two of them. That that does wonders for your social media. Uh, you know, the reach that you have and the ability to reach fans through social platforms, especially younger fans, um, does wonders for that. This is Denver's first, um, you know, championship finals uh, since that franchise began. And, and if they win, um, you know, I'm not saying they're going to get 14 million more Facebook followers or anything, but it will grow considerably. And, uh, of course, when you win a championship, uh, if you're Stan Kroenke and his uh, sports empire, the Nuggets are a part of that. It'd be nice to bring that into the whole championship banner along with Colorado and, of course, the uh, the uh, St. Louis Rams and Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, Kroenke's sports and entertainment um, is uh, it's their their championship uh, display case uh, has uh, has plenty of hardware in it. It is probably going to get a lot more over the years. Yeah, when you win a championship, how much does that increase your your value of your franchise? Would you think? Um, it, it, you know, it, it's not as much as people think. It certainly doesn't detract from it at all. Um, you know, it, it, it does build sort of around the edges additional value. But, you know, the chief value of these teams is derived from their their media rights deals. You know, they're taking in billions of dollars, um, you know, from the TV network, from the tech giants. And, you know, and with the NBA, there's more coming in a couple of years with their, their new deals. So, you know, whoever wins um, – this year's finals, you know, both of them will see increased values with the, when those new meteorites deals happen. You know, it's the, the theory of a rising tide lifts all boats. And in the case of, of major league sports in the U.S., that, that tide rises considerably and all those boats go flying up. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, the Joker earlier from Denver. He... Uh... <laughs> he uh, kind of bucks the trend. He is just a humble superstar in the NBA. He is, um, you know, and, and, you know, he's, he's not American and that it has traditionally been difficult to market, um, foreign born, um, superstars as somebody like a, a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan that's, you know, becomes a huge part of the culture beyond just basketball or, or sports. Um, you know, will he be, you know, will Joker become a household name? Winning this championship would certainly help. He already has two MVPs. Um, you know, will he be, you know, and post players too. I mean, some of them become certainly famous Shaq and, and Hakeem and and players like that. Um, you know, but you know, he's going to benefit from more endorsement deals, more exposures, things like that. Um, is he ever going to be as big as a LeBron or a, an MJ? Probably not. Um, that's just sort of how things play out with professional superstars. But, you know, I doubt he's losing much sleep over. Uh, do you know, Do you have any uh, reading on what the NHL's done so far with the Stanley Cup final between Vegas and Florida, another uh, Florida team in a final? You know, I'm waiting to see some additional numbers because uh, – uh, there's, I've seen some early numbers floating out there, um, but I, I've not seen anything concrete, so I didn't want to say anything yet. I, I did see one number that put it over two million for Game One, and if that is in fact accurate, um, I think the the folks at Turner Sports and, and Batman and the rest of them, or maybe they're not popping champagne corks yet, but I think they would have to be extremely pleased with something like that. But again, I've not seen the official numbers yet, but we are in a period where number one, that it's difficult to predict how any sort of sporting event is going to do because of all of the changing habits and technologies with the public and then how they consume 
live sports. Um, but you know, it's, it's an interesting, interesting matchup. Um, you know, a, a team literally in the desert and a, and a team in South Florida. Um, this is not, you know, we're a long way from the original six, um, with that sort of matchup, but it is building new fans. And I think ultimately it's good for the national hockey league, but you know, it, it would be nice. I think at some point to see, some of the original six teams or some, you know, the Maple Leafs or somebody finally, finally win one again. But, uh, you hmm. know, it's, that's, that's what I'm keeping my eye real close on to see how that series does sort of presents, you know, a, a temperature check for the modern National Hockey League. Bill Shea from The Athletic. Thanks as always, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me, Ted.